Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Now live from the Matt Blatt Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. In 29 minutes, we're going to hear from Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni, and you'll hear it right here on the Sports Pass Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. I'm your host, Mike Gill, Josh Henning, producing today's show. You out there, what's up, everybody? So will we get answers today? Hmm, maybe not the answers you're hoping for, but I have faith that they will be pressed on some things that we want to find out. We'll be able to read the tea leaves. John McMullen will join us at 5 o'clock tonight. Live press conference today at 2.30 is the scheduled time. And there's a lot here. couple news items I want to get out there for you people. Last night, Mike Garofola, NFL Network, reported that the Eagles interviewed former Cardinals head coach Cliff Kingsbury to be the team's offensive coordinator. And today, just moments ago, it was reported that the team also has met with Jared Johnson, who is the quarterback coach for the Houston Texans. He has an interesting background. He was actually with the Eagles as a quarterback back in 2011. Uh, he was in training camp with the team, uh, bounced around, played quarterback. He went to the Bill Walsh uh, coaching academy. So he's got a lot of West Coast, uh, stuff in his background and he is basically bounced around with D'Amico Ryans. He was in San Francisco with the Niners. He was with the Colts and uh, now with the Houston Texans and, uh, interesting ca uh, a candidate, if you will, for the head coaching job. So I don't know if any of those two names, Jared Johnson or Cliff Kingsbury jump off the page, but do they signify a potential of a changing of the mindset of Nick Sirianni and the Philadelphia Eagles in terms of how the offense is run, who calls the plays. I will say this, not a huge Kingsbury fan. Now, I will say I was biased to some extent. I don't want to say biased, it's just my opinion. Uh, I thought he would fail miserably at the NFL level as a coach. And I will say, I don't think he failed miserably. He flamed out, but he did get Arizona to a playoff, something I never envisioned that he would do. Uh, so he exceeded my expectations. I thought he'd be a dumpster fire um, at the NFL level. I just thought it was going to be too big of a job for him. Now, one of the reasons Cliff Kingsbury kind of flamed out, I don't want to say the job was too big for him, but he didn't want to do the dirty work. He wanted to call the plays and design his offense and he didn't want to discipline. He didn't want to kind of be the bad guy. He wanted to be everybody's kind of buddy-buddy. But he's a smart guy. He's got an interesting offense. Is it the kind of offense that you want to see? I mean, he had Kyler Murray. Uh, do you look at Kyler Murray and say, hey, he was playing at an MVP level. I mean, if you go back two seasons ago when – actually, it was probably three seasons ago. Kingsbury had that team. They were like – 
uh, were they got off to a really good start. I don't remember what their record was, but I think there was halfway through the season that Kyler Murray was the top candidate for MVP of the league. I don't remember what their record was. Uh, did they even make the playoffs that year? But a lot of the reporting about Kingsbury had kind of been like, you know, uh, the guys are kind of out of control. They kind of do what they want. He's not a disciplinarian kind of guy. And you have that whole narrative. Now, if he's the second guy, if he's the offensive coordinator, maybe he doesn't have to be that big of a disciplinarian. Maybe he just has to kind of design the offense and call the plays, and that's maybe all he wants to be. I was listening earlier today, uh, Pat McAfee's show. They had a guest on AQ Shipley who said some things about Klingsbury that maybe have changed my mind about him a little bit. Uh, Shipley said, what people don't realize about Kingsbury, he's in the office at 3.30 in the morning. He's one of those kind of guys. He's there at 3.30. He's working out. He's designing plays that he's constantly doing that. Maybe he's just not the kind of guy that likes confrontation, and that's okay. So I'm not, um, you know, saying, well, you don't like to debate people or be uh, confrontational that I can no longer believe in you. Maybe an offensive coordinator job is the right job for Cliff, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, who has, look, a pretty good offensive history. Uh, give me the insight on what he did in that Arizona team. I think it was 2021 that they had, like, a really good start to the season. They kind of flamed out. 2021, they started 9-2 and two heading into their bye week that year. They finished the year 11-6, and six and they lost in the wildcard round to the eventual Super Bowl champion Rams. All right. Uh, and that year, if correct me if I'm wrong, Kyler Murray uh, had like a half a season where he was the leading candidate for the MVP. Yeah, he actually finished the year with 24 touchdowns, but he got injured at one point in the season. He only started 14 of the games that year. All right. Uh, so, I don't know. You guys can let me know. 609-403-0973. You know, initial thought was I am out on Kingsbury. Just not my favorite candidate that could be out there. Now, you might say, well, who is your favorite candidate? I'm not really so sure I have a favorite candidate right now. I'm not even really sure who's available and who's not. Because I'm seeing names that are interviewing across the league. Like Mike Kafka apparently interviewed a second time with Seattle. He was a guy that a couple of years ago was a hot head coaching name. He was on Andy Reid's staff. And then, you know, he's kind of become the offensive coordinator with the Giants. Would he be a guy that you would like? Well, if you watch the Giants offense, you would probably say not necessarily. But this is where how creative is the guy? What did he have to work with? You know, what? What is he going to make the identity of this offense? Uh, Arthur Smith, is he a guy that would excite you? Frank Reich, does he excite you? We just talked about uh, Jared Johnson. Look, Jared Johnson has never been a play caller. This is one of those things that gets a little tricky. I hear people all the time say, hey, you got to go call whatever team has the hot offense at that time, and you got to start plucking guys from there. Okay, well, there are some examples of that around the league. I mean, Sean McVay, if you shook his hand at one point, you got a head coaching job. Pretty much. And some of these guys uh, have done, you know, pretty well as NFL head coaches. I don't know that, you know, Kevin O'Connell, is he a guy that you're like fist fighting to hire? I mean, they almost got to the postseason with dumpster fire quarterback. Yeah, I mean, do, do you, like Kevin O'Connell, do you view him as 
a strong head coach that, that you would say, hey, if you got him to be the coordinator when he was available, um, the guy in Cincinnati, obviously. Uh, Brian Callahan. Brian, uh, no, 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 no. The head coach in Cincinnati. Oh, Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor. He's another Rams guy. Um, the Rams guys were just getting jobs and, and like, hey, they weren't all coordinators. They weren't all calling plays. Correct. So, and of course, McVay calls the plays. Yes. He's so, always called the plays. Regardless of who the coordinator. So my question with Johnson is, do you want to bring in another guy who's like a Brian Johnson? He is just the quarterback's coach in Houston. He is not the play caller. That is Bobby Slowick. Do you want to have the guy who replaces Brian Johnson be a guy with no play calling experience. How do you guys feel about that? I think it's the question is, can you bring in a guy with no play calling experience to an organization with a guy that people have so many questions about his offense and Nick Sirianni? Yeah, well, that's the problem. And if, if, if Jared Johnson gets hired, that to me says the fan base is going to say this is Nick Sirianni's offense and he's yep. going to design it because you're not going to fire Brian Johnson. Put it this way. Why would you fire Brian Johnson without saying, you know what? I'll let you run your offense. Maybe we made a mistake in you having to call my offense, but let's see what you could do. Right. There Instead, has you're not going to bring in a new guy. And not let Brian Johnson run his offense, but say to the next guy, you have no play calling experience, but I'm going to let you run your offense. That would be a pretty bad look, I think, among the locker room, who, by the way, reports have been out there. Jeremy Fowler from ESPN said yesterday that not a lot of staffers are happy about this Brian Johnson situation. And I would feel, why would you not be happy about this? The offense looked clunky. It did not perform. And if you asked a staffer, why would you not be happy? I think the staffer would say, well, I think Brian had a, was a smart guy and had an innovative offense. He never got the opportunity to show that. Right. But you're going to bring in a new guy who has no play calling experience and you're going to say, I'm going to give you the opportunity to show me your offense, but I didn't afford that opportunity to the last guy. Well, that's, that's a bad look. Well, that's why you had to bring in somebody with a little more cachet who's going to walk in the room and you know kind of maybe put their fist down a little bit. Right. That's why I think Jared Johnson. Um, Not Josh Johnson. <laughs> there's a lot of uh, Johnsons in this uh, conversation right now. That doesn't sound good either, by the way. But Jared Johnson, Johnson, Johnson. <laughs> he is the Texans play caller, and Brian Johnson is the former Eagles coordinator, just Correct. to kind of map out things for people. Cliff Kingsbury, who interviewed for the job, he is the former head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. This last year he was on Lincoln Riley's staff. All right, so let's start there because you try to put the pieces together. Okay, Cliff Kingsbury, whose idea is that? Who would call Cliff Kingsbury? Is that a Sirianni guy? Is that a Roseman guy? And the answer is pretty clear on that one. The Roseman. That's a Roseman guy. Why? The direct line to Lincoln Riley, USC, Roseman, they tried to talk to Riley about the head coaching job a couple of years ago. And now, hey, man. What do you think about Kingsbury? Do you think he would be ready to jump back to the NFL? Oh, man, absolutely. you got to talk to him. So 
Cliff Kingsbury is a Howie Roseman uh, pick. How, how, as you may call it, a Howie Rolodex. He's, he's in, in Howie's he's Rolodex. He's in the Howie Rolodex. You are correct, sir. That would not be a Nick Sirianni pick, I would think. I don't know where Jared Johnson would fall on that list. I mean, he did play here in 2011. Right. That would tell me he's a Roseman guy. You know, Probably. Roseman signed him. Um, he was on the practice squad or he was in right. training camp. He was I mean, in training very, camp. very, um, he was here for a cup of coffee. Although I do think I did say, cause I looked back at his resume. He's coached in Houston, San Francisco and Indianapolis. He may have had a crossover with Sirianni. He did have a crossover with Sirianni. Well, there Sirianni. you go. So he played in So maybe he's in both their Rolodexes. Okay. So who would get credit for that? Collaborative. <laughs> Two points for each of you. Yeah, each of you get a point. <laughs> All right, 609-403-0973. We will have the press conference coming up live in uh, – they're scheduled at 2.30. The Eagles aren't the most prompt at getting their uh, things underway. I mean, the know. countdown timer says 16 minutes, but we know how that goes. Yeah, we know that they say 2.30, and that generally might mean 2.45. But we are hopeful that they start on time. And I don't know what questions are going to come from this. What questions are going to emerge? Now, I would think, number one, they have not officially fired or you know what it gets fired today. What is the word that they want to use for Brian John? Part it ways. Relieved of their duties. <laughs> yeah. Part it ways. Relieved of your duties. Went in a different direction. Like, no one just flat out of the gets ways. fired. Yeah. None of that stuff. So whatever term they want to use for Brian Johnson, they haven't used that term yet. Released from his contractual obligations. Yeah. We wish him well in his future endeavors, whatever he'd like to do. Whatever it is. We gave him a fruit basket. They haven't. Now you're going too far. There's no fruit basket happening here. All right. Uh, you're out. Kicked out the door. See ya. Whatever they have decided on, they have not officially announced yet. It has been reported multiple spots. Derek Gunn, Jeff McLean, both longtime Eagle beat writers that Brian Johnson is no longer with the organization. The team has not confirmed that yet. So... Will they confirm that today? That would be one thing. Hey, I would imagine Howie Roseman will start the press conference. We did not get what we – we did not reach our goal. We didn't do what we set out to do. We're determined. Like, I want you to write this down and see if I hit all the bullet points here, okay? We didn't do what we set out to do. We didn't reach our goal. We are determined – you know, to fix this and we will stop at nothing and, and un- turn every stone possible to make sure that the Philadelphia Eagles are, are back at the top. I would imagine that's kind of how, how he is going to start this. He might go on and try to divert some of the questions that might come his way with some positive stuff. We think we have the pieces. We love AJ and Devontae. We think we have a great offensive line. And, of course, Jalen, who did not play to his standard, but we expect him to bounce back. Defensively, we feel like we have some young talent. 
you know, Jalen Carter had a great year. We think another year he will be even better. So he'll try to divert with positivity. And he'll bring up, obviously, we weren't good enough. And it's our job to make sure we get better in those areas. He won't specifically say the areas. It'll just be a generalization of what they need uh, that, you know, some areas were not where they wanted him to be. So that's where I think Howie Roseman will kind of start. I don't know that Nick will get any sort of uh, opening. He might, you know, they could address firmly if they want. Nick is our head coach. We stand by him. He has a contract. Don't know why this was ever a conversation. There was never a thought of moving on from Nick Sirianni. Do they let Sirianni open up by letting him talk about the state of the coordinators? What I would say on that is I wonder if they tell Nick, hey, you're going to go out there and we're going to collaborate the story that you made the decisions and you fired the guys. And Nick says, I made the decision by talking with Mr. Laurie that it was the right decision to move on from Sean and move on from Brian. And I had to have the tough conversations with both of those guys that we're going to move on and go in another direction. I had the backing of Mr. Laurie and Howie Roseman. And we feel that we have a pipeline of candidates that will help us move back into the direction that we want to be in. That's possibly the direction I see them going with Nick Sirianni. Now, I think the media will fire right through those questions and want to know, Nick, or Howie, was Nick in trouble? Was was there... No, Nick was never in trouble. His contract is up. We never had any thoughts about moving on from him. I'm interested to see if they back him in that realm. 609-403-0973. 609-403-0973. Mike Gill on the Sports Bash live on 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. We've got the presser coming up. It is supposed to start at 2.30. We hope it does start at 2.30. We will carry in its entirety. If you will not be near the radio, you can listen on the app. You can listen on our website, 973ESPN.com. There will be a spot on the website that you can watch the press conference. So if you want to watch the press conference, we'll have that for you on our website. Multiple ways to listen to Roseman and Sirianni today. By the way, Reese Hoskins has signed with the Milwaukee Brewers, a two-year deal $34 million. He has an opt-out so he can get out of the deal after the first year. But Reese Hoskins, he has signed with the Milwaukee Brewers. So you have a lot of news today. By the way, Danny Briere did speak today and did address the Carter Hart stuff. Hart taking an indefinite leave. He did not address why, but there have been reports out there that they did verify that they were aware of. And you can go to our website, 973ESPN.com to get more on that, from our Flyers insider, Kevin Durso. McMullen tonight at 5 o'clock, because he is at the press conference. So, we'll read and react to your comments and questions on the other side. When we come back, we hope to hear from Nick Sirianni and Howie Roseman 
right here on the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. 228 Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. Mike Gill. Uh, Howie Roseman and Jeff Laurie, uh, not Jeff Laurie, uh, Nick Sirianni scheduled to talk here at 2.30, and it appears uh, they're not going to speak in 45 seconds, I wouldn't imagine. But as soon as they do, we'll have it for you live on 97.3 ESPN. By the way, what pot am I putting that through? Uh, TV pot, okay. Just making sure. So I'm going number 12, right? Right here? I got to turn that on. Should have asked that in the break, but completely forgot. We're doing other stuff, man. It's my birthday today, by the way. I uh, feel older. Thank you very much for asking. What are you, 35? Yep. I've been 35. My dad used to say, oh, I've been 35 for like 30 years now. Nice. <laughs> well, we can't say you're too young because obviously you, you look like a man. You, know, you can't say you look like, you know, oh, I'm still 21. You know. Nope. I act like I'm 21 sometimes. Well, I can't help you with that. Yeah. Um, so. But still happy birthday. Uh, thank you so much. Um, I appreciate it. Uh, it's funny because, uh, our boss here said he sent me a text this morning wishing me a happy birthday and it had like, I guess he has an iPhone and I have an Android. <laughs> and he said, did you get the confetti? I said, well, I saw that it said sent with confetti. <laughs> it, this is something that confounds a lot of people, it seems like, who have iPhones who don't understand that Android people don't get the same Elements. Well, it's just like if you send something like the confetti, the Android doesn't get the confetti. It just says sent with confetti. Correct. Or like when there's a group text. And someone likes something you said. It just says liked and then exactly the verbiage that was written out. So Correct. I don't get the thumb. I get liked. Like my buddy said, holy bleep, we beat Kansas the other night, like uh, West Virginia. So our West Virginia group. Holy bleep, we beat Kansas. And it, and then my other buddy liked it, and it just said, liked. Holy bleep, we beat Kansas. So kind of stupid, but that's not moving me to get an iPhone. I can tell you that much. I don't need to see the confetti. I know your heart was in it. I read that it said confetti. Yeah, I, I told him on because I was I was walking out the room the same time he was, and he says, oh, you guys need to get an iPhone. I says, I don't need that. I have no FOMO. With when it comes to iPhones, <laughs> I'm never getting an iPhone. Never. It's one of the things you and I do agree on. We are we are anti iPhone. Uh, yeah, I just uh, I'm not. We don't have a use for I, it. I, I, uh, it's not that I don't have a use for it. It's uh, I like the Android. I have no problem with the Android. I don't need to be like everybody else. I'm quite fine being the guy that has the Android, and uh, I will continue that. What I want you guys to think about before Roseman and Sirianni coming up momentarily have to say. What I want to get into a little later on throughout the show after they talk. Do you guys think we're giving Jalen Hurts? Is everybody giving him the benefit of the doubt that he's just going to bounce back? Maybe he was hurt. Did he have a good year? Did he not have a good year? Are we giving Hurts the benefit of the doubt? Or do you have questions about Hurts 
and that he was a bigger part of why the offense struggled than maybe we want to or we've been discussing. I have no problem. If we think that Hurts has been part of the problem, let's talk about it. I don't have a problem with that. But are we giving Jalen Hurts the benefit of the doubt? And is that a question that needs to be asked to Nick Sirianni? Nick, are we giving Jalen Hurts the benefit of the doubt? In other words, do you guys watch his film and say, you know what? Looking back at this, Jalen could have played better this year. And that he wasn't the same quarterback that he was last year. Don't forget John McMullen tonight at 5 o'clock. You can hear what he has to say about the presser today and what he takes from it. And Jeff Mosher has football at 4, and uh, Mosher will be on at 4 o'clock. Uh, by the way, Mike McGarry, who usually joins us on Wednesdays at this time, will get him after, of course, the press conference in the 3 o'clock hour and get some reaction on that. Reese Hoskins is leaving the Phillies. And by the way, I do want to quickly say about Reese Hoskins leaving. Um, as much as I was not the biggest Hoskins fan, he was a great ambassador for the team, great locker room guy. To have him be in the locker room and be a part of that team last year, I thought it was unfortunate. I, I, I kind of lobbied for him to be active in the NLCS. So uh, kind of sad to see that era go. If he keeps the mustache, he will fit in great in Milwaukee with the Brewers. The, the look he had at the end of last year, would be a great Brewers look for him. So I, I implore him to keep that look if he's going to go to Milwaukee and then really be a part of that uh, fan base out there. Yeah, you can go hang out with Robin Yount. <laughs> All those guys, the uh, Hardy's Wallbangers, they were called back in the 80s uh, when the Brewers were actually, for the young kids out there, the Brewers were in the American League at the time. And uh, they switched over to the National League. They got traded for Houston and a player to be named later. That player to be named later? Reese Hoskins, by the way. All right, what are we, what are we looking at over there? You have the video in front of you. Yeah, I got two different screens, and no, there's nobody anywhere yet. All so. right, so is it just the picture? Yes, of the empty table. It's still table? the cover photo. The countdown is done, but it's still the cover photo. Oh, it's the cover photo. It's not the picture of the empty table. No, with two seats and I two haven't gotten the table picture yet. Okay, so when that happens, although somebody did mention on social media that. Um, there should you should take a shot every time the Eagles say this is a learning experience. All right, well we can write that down. We can keep little uh, slashes and uh, see how many times. I want to see if uh, a lot of the things I commented on. Um, I got my chicken scratch over here. The chicken scratch. Yeah, okay. my chicken scratch. Mm. So which when, is different than your chicken scratch. So I, I and I, we haven't heard that Lori's going to talk. I would imagine he's not going to talk today. That he's not going. That you can't see the the setup. They haven't shown us the setup yet. Yeah, by the way, how about the Doc Rivers news last night? I mean, how wild. I mean, we did start to see it yesterday, but what an all-time snake job by Doc Rivers. I he mean, was giving Griffin advice. He was supposed to be helping him out. Right? I mean, he's the guy. He's like a consultant for the Bucks, And then he basically tells the Bucks. now this isn't being reported, but come on, that, hey, this guy is not qualified and you should push him out the door, and I'll take over. I got a great idea as the consultant. I'll take the job. Unbelievable. So this all happened last night, uh, Reese, Doc, and then we find out. I got the text message this morning. I was actually having breakfast this morning with Rothstein for my birthday. Uh, I paid. Thanks, Ryan. Happy birthday to me. Well, it's very generous <laughs> of you. <laughs> um, 
No, I just whatever. It was, we were just, we planned to go out to bear. We planned to go out to breakfast, and I kind of didn't. It coincided with today being my birthday, but we were having. Did a conversation. Ryan remember it was your birthday? Yeah. Well, I told him because he said, "Do you want to?" We've been trying to meet up uh, for for lunch or breakfast one of these days. And uh, I said Wednesday. I said, "Ah, you know what? I, it's my birthday. I don't know what my plans are in the morning." But we ended up. We went to breakfast today, and um, I lost my train of thought. What was I talking about? It's uh, a good question. <laughs> I lost. I was. I was way into you going to breakfast with Ryan. Because my next question was going to be, "What'd you have for breakfast?" Uh, omelet. Omelet. Yeah. Was it about Doc Rivers? No. But you said you got a text this morning. Oh, from the Eagles. So I got the text from the Eagles while we were at breakfast telling me the time because we didn't know what time Roseman was going to talk. Yeah, when I first woke up this morning, I saw that Danny Briere, the Flyers GM, was speaking, but I didn't see a time for the Eagles yet. I was like, well, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, so they picked uh, 2.30, and of course they haven't held to that yet. Now, I would imagine that there has been a ton of going over what they think is going to be asked here. You know, like you watch Suits mm-hmm. and – you go through the practice mock trial. Right. These are the questions you might get asked. You might not like these questions. You might not like them. I'm going to make you a little uncomfortable here. But these is, this is what you're going to get. You think camera's going to be that easy on you in court? Yeah. How? What's the over-under on how long they talk? I'm going to set it at 20. You think that's it? I mean, it, it depends on... I think I'm going way over You're going to go that. way over I'm saying 45. Wow. Yeah. That's way aggressive. I think it's going to be... I probably would say... How about say, this, set the I think 45, 30. and they're going to get questions 45 minutes in, and you're going to say at the end of the 45 minutes, there was so much more I needed to get. That sounds about right, though. Because there's usually a lot that you want to hear from these guys, and you never get it. Well, you know, I we talking for two months about what they didn't say. I think they strategically answer questions a little bit long with the thought of, hey, we know we're going to get bailed out by the PR guy at the 45 minute mark. So if I just use a lot of word salad here for eight minutes on this answer and, you know, between us, I'll answer for four. Then Nick answers for four. That's eight of the 45 minutes on one question. So you can't just keep firing questions, you know, my way. Right. So I would imagine the PR guy in his head has the clock of what time he wants to kind of say. Stopwatch maybe going on his phone. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to get out of this thing. Um, by the way, a couple of the questions after the 10-1 and one start, Nick, what went wrong? He answered this question at the end of the Buccaneers game. It was a poor answer. We got into a rut, and we couldn't get out of the rut. Okay, uh, that's not what I want to hear. Right. Now you've had two weeks to reflect. What went wrong after the 10-1 and start? What happened? How were you unable to fix your issues after the 10-1 and start? Did you not see what was going on? And did you assume that things were just going to get better by doing the same thing, as you kind of stated in one of your press conferences? I don't like that answer either. Uh, another one would be, what kind of coordinators um, are you looking for after you part it ways with your two coordinators? And are you willing to let them be a little bit, specifically the offensive coordinator, to be more hands-on with calling his offense and his plays? And with the defensive coordinator, are you tied to that Vic Fangio style of defense, or are you willing to get away from that for the right candidate? 
Those are things that I think are high on my list. Now, I told you what my question would be if at the end of the game, Nick, did your team quit on you or was your team that unprepared? Now, listen, I don't want to ask that question because it's a very tough question to ask, which is why I'm not a beat writer. I don't want that job. (laughs) That's a tough question to have to ask somebody. Did your team quit on you? Did your team quit on you and... Did you, or was your team not prepared? So that's what we got. All right, we'll probably, we'll take a timeout, I guess. Oh, Should we do that? Give me a sec. Uh, it appears that Sirianni and Roseman are going to be out for at least a couple more minutes here. Uh, Sports Fast Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. As soon as they hit the podium, we will have them for you here on the Sports Bash. Um, and I will tell you this. McMullen tonight at 5, Mosher has football at 4, so we'll have plenty of reaction uh, to what is said today in the press conference with Sirianni and Roseman, which, again, we have a ton of, of answers, questions that need to be answered here. And I see a lot of questions uh, and text messages coming in uh, on the text board, and I appreciate uh, the birthday wishes that are coming in as well. We should make, because I won't be here Friday, I'm taking off Friday, if you guys want to give me a happy hour Friday birthday pick for an ipa I would love to get that if you guys can do that for me. So send them in 609-403-0973. More Sports Bash. we got the presser coming up. Wake up weekday mornings from 6 to 10 a.m. with Unsportsmanlike on 97.3 ESPN with Evan Cohen, Super Bowl champion Chris Canty, and Michelle Small. Can't wake up without it. Brought to you by the Gallery Bar Book and Games at Ocean Casino Resort in Atlantic City. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Sports Bash. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. On 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Hi, 246, Roseman and... Sirianni, still not ready yet. Could they be getting extra prep? There was a tweet out there from one of the beat writers that says they are still in a meeting and that the um, that it's delayed. So we'll keep our eye on that. Uh, there's a message. You can go to our website and watch the press conference. And it says, hang tight. The press conference is delayed. We will keep you posted with any new updates. I mean, if I read that, there's a possibility that they could say, you know what, we're not ready today. We'll try to do this again tomorrow. I mean, that would be really messed up. That would be messed up. You have everybody down there. Everybody's waiting. And they say, you know what, we're just not quite there yet. Um, look, the 
The fact of the matter is this. I don't think they're back there finalizing who they want to hire to be the press, the, the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator. Are they crossing their uh, T's and dotting their I's? Yeah, it's a possibility. There's a possibility that they have something that they know is going to get asked of them and they want to make sure that they have the right answers and they're on the same page. But quite frankly, the team is going to I don't I don't know if there's a situation here. Uh I don't know. I'll ask you guys out there. 609-403-0973. Is there any situation here in that you think that Nick and Howie can come out not only looking good, but gaining your trust or regaining your trust. I think, you know, there was a while there. Roseman had your trust. Maybe it's waning a little bit. Maybe it's kind of like shifting where it's, ah, Howie, we, 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 you built that Super Bowl team. You made all these moves, but now we're starting to go back to, ah, he's making too many mistakes. Um, I know there's a lot of people who do not like Roseman and the way he does things and he's too, hands-on in the draft they've missed I also think that Roseman is good at his job I don't want to say good at his job he's regarded as one of the best at his job because and this doesn't mean you get a lifetime pass to be the GM of the Eagles look if the Eagles got beat this year in the playoffs in the way that they did then they made new hires without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's the way they do again next year. Then I think you have a situation where you have to make a decision on, do we just have to now change the way we do things? Because I think one of the things that the Eagles have kind of, you know, made their bed with is we have a system, it works, and this is what we do. We have a way that we do stuff that has respect around the league, and we're going to keep doing it that way. Now, if the Eagles have a back-to-back, now this year they won, they won 11 games. If let's say next year they go 5 and 13 or 6 and, you know, 12 or whatever it is, 6 and 13, 6 and 11, sorry. Uh, this whole 17 game season, stupid stuff. Let's say they win 6 games, 5 games, 4 games, 7 games, something like that. Um, and then the next year, they're in the middle again, where they don't make the playoffs, and they're a 6-5, six, 6-7 six, win team. That is when possibly, I think, Roseman might get the situation where the lifetime pass maybe ends, and Jeffrey Lurie's getting older. His son is kind of grooming to take over the team. And does Lurie at that point say, how old is Lurie? 72, I think he is. He's in his 70s. I know that. Let me double check. I think he's 72 is my guess. And that's just looking at the man. I don't know. I'm just kidding. I think he's 72. But two years from now, you know, he's 74 years old. Mike, you nailed it. Okay. So he's 72. Let's say two years, the next two years, they're not a playoff team. And they don't 
you know, they don't progress. They don't make any, you know, um, improvement. Does Jeff Lurie step down, turn it over to his son, and then that's when Roseman is done? Because I don't, I don't know how there's any scenario that I can picture in my mind where Jeffrey Lurie just says, Howie Roseman, you're fired. I think the problem was Lurie had a trust in Roseman. He turned things over to Kelly, and he got burned by the Chip Kelly thing, right? He did. Um, by, by taking the power away from Roseman. Away from Roseman. And giving it to somebody else. And I think Lori said, I'll never do that again. Well, we also, have a good system here. We yeah. win. We're successful. And while we might not win a Super Bowl every single year, we're always in play for a Super Bowl. And I like the way we do things. And I'm comfortable with that. Is it also something to do with the fact that, you know, Lori leaned on Joe Banner for so many years? And that he saw what his life was like when he had someone he could trust versus handing some quote-unquote stranger to run his house. You know, Chip Kelly being the stranger, Banner and Roseman being people that he's more comfortable with. I don't know. Um, I just feel like I, I just feel like he has a comfort level with Roseman. He burned Roseman once. That's what I'm saying. Like he had a comfort level for all those years with Joe Banner. Yeah, but Banner left him. Correct. What I'm saying is, is that in Lori's mind, whether it's conscious or subconscious, there may be a part of him that says, I need to have someone running this organization who I can trust, who I'm comfortable with. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But then it's, on the flip side, maybe his son doesn't care about that kind well, of Well, that's my point is that's the only way I see Lori separating from Roseman or Roseman being out is if his son takes over and then he wants to start a new with his group of people. And who knows? I don't know what Roseman's relationship is with Lori's son, Julian. Maybe they have a great relationship. And Julian takes over as an owner of a football team and says, I need a guy like you to run this thing. I don't have anybody in my uh, Rolodex. That's another question. Uh, who knows who Julian even knows in the league? I mean, I, I don't know much about him except that he's Jeffrey Lori's son. I would imagine, you know, you're his son and he's been around. I think he's been getting groomed for the last couple of years. He goes, he probably gets introduced and he's probably been in the circles. But... Look, I think Jeffrey Lurie has been a great owner. Has he been the elite owner? Yeah. But I think he's been a really, really good owner for this. I mean, think about how many owners in the league, how many teams in this league have the amount of success that the Philadelphia Eagles have? Not many. I mean, not many. When you talk about five losing seasons in 20-plus years, 25 years was it that we did? 23 years. Five losing seasons in 23 years. I mean... There's not a team really in the NFC that has that prolonged success. And, you know, so Jeffrey Lurie should be given credit for how he does things. Whether we, you know, I I know there's a part of us that if we just said, look, if you don't win the Super Bowl, you failed. Okay, you could be that level of fanatical fan, and that's all you're right. I have, I'm not going to argue with you on that, but that's not how teams constitute success and failure in terms of the way they do things. Now, if you constantly say this team is nine and seven, nine and seven, nine and seven, nine and seven, then okay, that's something that you have to say. Maybe this guy has gotten us as far as we go, but they've been nine and seven and then they win 13 games, make it to a Super Bowl. Just because you don't win that Super Bowl, that's not a reason to just say this guy's not doing it right because Howie Rosen doesn't play the game. Mm -hmm. You know, he didn't fumble the ball. 
he built a team that was good enough to win a Super Bowl twice in a five-year span. So I don't think anybody who thinks Roseman would be in trouble, I don't think that would be the case. All right, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Uh, we will hopefully get to the presser at 3 o'clock. I have not seen an update. All we have on the screen right now is hang tight. The press conference is delayed. We'll keep you posted with any new updates. We'll see if we get any new updates. And so far, uh, by the way, Jim Harbaugh canceled his second interview with the Falcons today. And Rabel is getting to get interviewed with the Falcons instead. Oh, okay. The, the Falcons are interviewing everybody. Yeah, literally everyone. Uh, press Might conference. Next, Mike. Uh, yeah, it could be. Press conference delayed. And we are waiting to see if there's an update from the team on when that is going to launch and when it does we'll have it for you here on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app this is the sports bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app now live from the Matt Blatt Kia studios here's Mike Gill all right, here's Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni. They just sat at the podium thanks to NBC Sports Philadelphia. There was a kind of sadness about the way the season ended. There was kind of a shell shock feeling that was going on. And I think what we do a good job of is kind of communicating, figuring out the reasons for things, how we can get better. And so we gave everyone Tuesday off. Um, and then Coach and I and our coaches uh, met with all our players. We had exit interviews. Um, that lasted for a couple of days. Obviously, the snowstorm on Friday. Um, so a lot of people were out of the office. The office was closed. And then we went into the weekend and, uh, like we do, try to figure out a plan to get better. So um, I apologize for kind of the delay. And um, we're here now. Nick, can you walk us through the decision to remove Ryan Johnson as your offensive coordinator? And did you talk to Jalen considering their relationship when you made that decision? Sure, yeah. You know, we uh, – evaluated our season at the at the end of the you know at the end of the year obviously are going to be in constant evaluation of this um you know we did what we thought was best at at that time uh at the time and you know i can't say enough good things about brian though um you know he's a great a great football coach um and he's going to have another opportunity to 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 lead an offense and i and i will miss him um you know some of the things that we want to do um, as a team is, you know, grow in, in a lot of different areas, uh, and grow in, and grow in, you know, some of the guys that have been in here with me for the, have been there for, with me for a while. So it's, it's about coming up with fresh ideas and, um, and doing some things different. And, and that's exactly where we are right, right now. And sometimes, you know, Brian being, you know, at that position, um, you know, Unfortunately, he's he's the one that is 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 leaving at this particular time. Uh, but I can't say can't tell you how much uh, I appreciate him as a coach. We've had a we've had a lot of success here in the past three years, and, and Brian's contributed a lot to that. Um, and but like I said, we're, it's it's now about uh, bringing in fresh ideas, um, some different thoughts than 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 what a lot of the guys. You know, sometimes when you're with a group of guys, like we've been together for three years, that group of guys. But in addition to that. You know, it was a couple of the other guys that I've been with for 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 multiple years as well, um, and so we just wanted to to bring in some fresh ideas, and and, uh, and that's where we are with that. With, right those fresh, with those fresh ideas, Nick, how willing are you to change some of the structure 
of your offense if you see fit. Yeah, I mean that's exactly what where that's what you're saying exactly what we're talking about. So, you know, it's not it's just about putting the players in the best positions to 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 succeed, but and doing things differently um, at times too. But there's going to be things that whoever the the new coordinator is, there's going to be things that you know they bring that are going to be you know fresh ideas for us uh, to help our players grow and our help our players play at the top level. And there's been some things that that we've done really well on offense too in the past that you know that you'll mesh in some of that together as well. Um, I think it you know with with some of the success that we've had. These last these last three years and the things that our guys do well and so I'm excited about that the you know and you know the the new the new ideas meshing with some of the old ideas we'll see how that continues to go as we go through our go through our off season process and um, and where we land with that but yeah I mean obviously you know when you get to me we got a little bit stale on offense at the by the end um you know at the end of the year and these ideas and this and this new and this new person coming in is is meant to you know take away the staleness and add and add the value of what they're adding to the to the offense just for clarification though it'll be your scheme and you'll have final authority on, on what is run yeah you know it's it's our scheme it's, it will be our scheme of what we're what we're doing, and so again, I don't know exactly what that will look like yet, right? We're we're bringing in a guy to bring in new ideas, um, to do the things that that he's done in the past. Um, we're gonna we're going through an extensive uh, search to to get that right person, um, but it'd be crazy not to add some of the things that we've done in the past uh, here as well. You- I don't know if it's gonna be. Ninety-five percent. This ninety. We're not there yet, right? We're working on getting the best guy in here for the job, um, and you know, a guy who has a vision, a guy who can, who's going to call the plays, um, a guy who's going to be able to coach a quarterback in the in the in the in the same sense there. Um, so it's just about getting the right guy, and then we'll 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 decide where that goes. But I'm hiring him to do a job um, and to be in charge of the offense. Nick, when you look at your defensive side of the ball, what are you looking for in your new defensive coordinator? Are you looking for somebody potentially to be a little bit more aggressive, or are you still married to like to say the Vic Fangio type scheme that you got a couple of years? Yeah, we're looking for the guy who's best fits the you know who is the best person for the job, right? And that can be, there's many different systems that, that work. There's many different systems that work well. Um, and we're looking for the guy who's going to be best for the job that can utilize the skills that our players have um, so they can play at their highest level. Um, and so a lot of good candidates there as well. And that's what we're going through right now. Um you know, as we speak. Nick, if the, if the offensive coordinator is going to be in charge of the offense and the defensive coordinator is going to be in charge of the defense, what is your role going to be? The head coach of the football team. What does that entail? How, how does it change? Yeah, um, I guess what, you know, it'd be this very similar to what's going on right now. Um, you know, does that mean I'll sit more into defensive meetings at times? Maybe. Right. Instead of always being in an offensive meeting, maybe I go to a defensive meeting here and there. Um, but my job is to be the head coach of the team, not the head coach of the offense, not the head coach of the defense, not the head coach of the special teams, but be the, be the head coach of the football team. And so that's building the culture. That's making sure the culture's, um, you know, 
working, you know, with our, our five core values are taking every day at a time. Like we're not coming up with new core values. Uh, I mean, we may shuffle where, you know, where the things are that are important, um, and the most important. Um, but that's diving into that, building the culture, having a relationship with the guys on the football team. Um, because I know when, when I have that connection with the guys on the football team, um, that's when things are, you know, that when, that's when the culture is working, um, and, and working at high level. And then that's where the, our connection with the players and then their connection with each other works well too. Let me answer a question. Let me, let me take one. Howie, um, just from a, a personnel standpoint on defense, mm-hmm. um, where are you as far as how far from being able to field the kind of defense you guys want to field? Yeah, I think, um, Ruben, when, when I think about uh, the contributions I can make to help this team, I know that um, when I'm doing my best, um, and I have my best seasons, this team has a chance to have its best seasons. And so, like, I, I hold myself to a very high standard. Um, I think we have uh, a lot of good young players on this team. I think we have the ability to go out and, and continue to add to that. I'm very excited about the core that we have on offense um, going forward, obviously. Um, and so in, in terms of that, uh, I, you know, our goal every year is to fill the best possible team. And, you know, I go back. Um, to last year um, on the Tuesday after we lost the Super Bowl and um, Nick walked into my office and he said, how you doing? And and I said to him, you know, I think the thing that I'm most upset about is how many good people we're going to lose, you know, on and off the field. And and so I knew what was coming. Um, I knew the schedule was going to be harder. I knew that, um, you know, it was probably easier to get the offense to a place quicker than it was the defense. And, um, you know, we never want to be just kind of in the middle of packing both, you know. And so... Um, I feel like uh, a lot of the things that uh, we try to do uh, last off season um, was kind of try to keep our priorities intact about how we like to build the team. Um, you know, we could talk about that and uh, some of the decisions we make. And um, you know, I expect accept responsibility for for whatever we got to do to make sure that when the season falls short of not playing this week and beyond. You know, um, I'm certainly responsible for that as well. How is it the defensive line in particular? Um, what do you attribute their underperformance relative to the investment um, to? And is there anything about the way that the season played out that has sort of changed or your roster goes across? Yeah, I think you don't want uh, – we, we, I feel like we've had a long history uh, of success here, um, building the team a certain way. And I think maybe uh, there's some preconceived notions that, you know, we're just um, at the linebacker position, you know, that we don't care who we play at linebacker. And again, you know, our two Super Bowl teams over the last six years, uh, the linebacker play was good, you know, from those guys. And I think if anything, um, it's my belief in the players that we have, the young players that we have. Um, I have a lot of belief and I know coach does as well in Kobe Dean, you know, and so, I believe in the player. I believe in the person. Um, you know, we lost two linebackers at that uh, spot, two good players uh, from our Super Bowl team. Um, and we had N'Kobe Wade in the wings. We drafted him for that role. Um, obviously, it didn't work out perfectly for him this year. That doesn't change the uh, the belief we have in, in the player. Um, and then, you know, we felt like we'd have the ability to get uh, an off-ball linebacker, a will linebacker who can, who can run and hit and and honestly, when you watch the tape, uh, Zach Cunningham had a good year. He really did. And he had a mentality that we liked from that position. Um, uh, of course, you know, we miss some of the guys that left as free agents, miss some of the guys on and off the field that we had uh, strong relationships with. Howie, what was your involvement in, in the process that led to Sean Desai's demotion? 
Uh, you know, coach comes to me and tells me kind of what he's thinking. Um, no different than um, when he decided to give Shane the play calling duty. And he said, hey, this is what uh, I'm going to do. Um, I trust him with the coaching staff. That's his responsibility, just like he trusts me with my front office staff. And um, that's how we're structured here. That's how the relationship works. And uh, I always want to be a supporter for him and a resource. So um, if he needs me to do something, if he asks me a question, if he asks me, um, an opinion, you know, in a situation like this, um, he had made up his mind, he had made a decision, and uh, I'm going to support him. If you could go back and do that again, would you do it the same way? Like, would you replace Sean with Matt again? And I guess, uh, whether you would or not, what did you learn from replacing a coordinator, you know, into, I don't know, if it was December or not yet, but wouldn't do a 13 game from the season? Yeah, obviously, I understand that any anything that I do, uh, make any decision that I make, uh, if it doesn't work out, it can be, you can look at it and, and second guess it. So we are, we are right now. At the time I made that decision, like I've told you guys, I made that decision because I thought it was the best decision that, that for the team. And, um, you know, obviously we all fell short, um, at the end, um, at those last six weeks of the season, right? All, all of us did. And so, um, you know, I say, obviously Matt was in a tough situation, uh, trying to, cause you can't completely change, um, you know, the defense. Right. And so he was, you know, trying to, you know, make, make some things happen with quite frankly, th- things that weren't his defense. So I know I put Matt in a tough spot. I know I put Sean in a tough spot, obviously. Um, but at the, at the time that I, I did that, um, you know, I did it because I thought it was the best decision for the, for the football team. Um, and there's a lot of decisions I have to make like that, make like that, whether I go for it on fourth down in certain situations, uh, what our philosophy is on a, in a four minute drive at the end of a game. Um, and, and trust me, every time we do something like that and it doesn't work, I, I think to myself, what, what was the best thing? And I can only come back to that uh, answer to you right now is that, and forevermore that at the time when I did it, I did it because I thought it was the best thing for the defense. Yeah, and yeah, that's last, year, last, year, last, year, last year, you talked about the vision that you had for the defense, you know, things that you were convicted in, you know, philosophically. I guess, has that shifted as you start to search? No, I, I mean, I'm, you're always growing as a coach, right? So there's some things that, you know, year in, year out, players that you have, uh, different scenarios you go through um, can le- lead to where your visions are and your philosophies are. But, you know, those things are, are in constant, evol- uh, you know, they're evolving at all times. Um, and so are there things that I still believe in, um, you know, even going through a, a difficult stretch here like we did? Of course, right? And the, the offense, defense, special teams, how to build, you know, how to, to lead the team. There's a ton of those things. But I don't think there's any growth um, unless you look at some things and say, and be critical on yourself and say, okay, well, this was my philosophy here. Or this was a belief here and this didn't work out. And sometimes the answer, you, you, you look at those things and sometimes the answer is, no, I still believe in this. And sometimes the answer is, you know, maybe I need to make a, a adjustment here with that. And, and so that's the, that's the, you know, that's the process of just going through it and, and getting and trying to get better. And so, um, of course there's things that, um, that I'll, I'll be adjusting. Um, but there's still things that, um, 
uh, there's probably more, you know, you don't just take just a, a six week stretch and say, boom, I'm scratching this entire philosophy. You know, you look at it as a whole, you act, you, you ask yourself, you drag yourself through the mud of the, of the, the bad stuff that you've went through and you say, do I need to, you know, to make adjustments? And, and yet the answer is yes, a lot of times. And then the answer is, no, this is the way it, it needs to be. And we just got to do it better or coach it better or, or whatever it is. What are the things that you're finding yourself open to changing and you maintain a lot of your staff to do a lot of the same things. So how has it been looking outside of that and how with this situation and the offense, how what is your confidence that instead of the entire wall that you can leave that? Yeah, I think every conversation that we're having is about how we can move forward together. And I think the important thing for us to look at is before the stretch, which was a you know a difficult stretch, you know not diminishing the one and six stretch at the end. We were twenty six and five over the last thirty one games. I mean that's four times the amount of games that we played um, over this stretch. That is hard to do in the National Football League. That is hard to find um, a head coach in this league who has that record of success. Um, I think we were 33-11 and 11 up until that point um, with Nick. Um, we made the playoffs three straight years. Again, not okay finishing one and six. So I'm not sitting up here saying that, but um, it is hard to find somebody who can do those sort of things. And um, I think as we go forward, you know, doing this together in a way that continues to get the best possible people we can on and off the field for me, um, that's my job to to try to make sure that we have that on the field and and my group is as strong as we possibly can get and I know Nick's committed to that on in his group. Nick, Nick when, when you look at when you look at the decision to move on from Brian Johnson, how much of a factor was Jalen? I mean, not necessarily like if you consulted him, but like just as far as making the change and, and the new offensive coordinator. Like, how much of a factor is he as far as all that? Yeah, like like I said, like obviously. Um, we're always, everything we're doing is trying to get our players to, to perform better and, and to continue to grow. Um, so the, the new coordinator, if I'm, if I'm answering your question right here, the new coordinator is obviously going to be heavily involved in, in not only the, you know, he's bringing in a scheme, um, to, to be able to run, um, to be able to, uh, for us to, to function in. Um, and that scheme has to be something that our players can function and our, our quarterback can, is going to be excel at. And so, um, I'm looking forward to the, the, whoever that is to come in and do those things as far as, uh, and you want, and you want there to be, comfort um with with jalen and whoever is this new coordinator um and so obviously talk just like i talked to howie about it just like talked to kevin patool about it i'll talk to jalen about that as well um and some of the things you know that you're in constant communication with your players especially your quarterback and so we'll talk through we'll talk through everything I'll, i'll i'll keep him um aware of things that that he needs to be aware of um and you know, keep him in the loop of that because you know that he's he's our guy, and 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 uh, you know it's really important that that those two guys are going to work hand in hand to to make sure that we're we're getting back to where we need to be. Did you have to consult with Jalen about your decision to let Brian go? 
Yeah, you know, obviously we, we talk about everything um, and we, we communicate on everything. Um, won't get into specific uh, discussions on, you know, what we talk about, but, yeah, we, we, we discuss everything. What was his reaction was- to, to Brian getting dismissed? Um, obviously, they have a, a, a relationship. I mean, you'll have to ask Jalen when you get an opportunity to talk to him. But you know, anytime you have to let people go, we all we all hurt when we let people go. Every one of us, right? Um, this isn't this is the the worst part of the job having a, to let people go. You know, there's, it doesn't just affect the person you let go. They um, it affects the families, um, and it affects the like. There's a friendship there, like. Like that we we have worked together every day for the past three years um, and we've spent way more time with each other than we have with our families uh, or our loved ones. And, and you and you grow close and you grow close bonds. And so, you know, I, I don't even want to get into the, you know. Well, every play, like everyone's gonna be hurting from this, right? Not just the like, not just the the guy that got let go, but the the peop, the friendships that are they're not over. But you know, you're not gonna see that person every day like you have for the, in the past. And so those that's the that's the most difficult part of this this business. That I feel like if I can explain that on the human side of this thing, like that's the most difficult part of this business is saying goodbye to to friends. Um, you know, and I, and I can't, I can't, it's, it's the worst part. And I, I really can't explain to you how, how, everybody feels it, right? The, the coach to coach, player to player to coach. And so, like I said, Brian did so many good things and, and, and like how he was talking about the games that we've won, the success that we've had. Brian's a big part of that. Um, and, and we'll all, and we'll all be, we're all sad, uh, for, for what's went down and, and how, and what's, what's going on right now. It's, it's atypical to wait this long to speak. How would you characterize the situation that you're you know, obviously we we have those meetings after every year, um, and we talk about you know the progression of the team, um, where we're going, what we did well, things we didn't do well, and you know that was just, that was kind of business as usual right there. Um, it was a little obviously at the end of the at the end of the game right on Monday night. You get back late on Tuesday. How he explained all that. We have player meetings, right? Uh, it takes me about two to three days to get through every player. Then you're trying to get through every coach. Then you're having the meetings there. And so it is a, it's a long process to get to where we are right now, where we have, you know, we're able to answer your questions a little bit, a little bit more. Um, and, and so. I mean, I guess that's with how he said what he said with the, uh, you know, why we're, we're in our, why we're meeting right now. Um, but there is, a, but going into the meeting, did you ask, say what you asked again? Yeah, with Jeffrey, did you have to sell yourself or sell your vision for how to fix it? Yeah, again, it was the same. It was business as usual of how we, how we go, um, about an end of year meeting. Um, you know, obviously, well, my thought is there, and and so it was just it was just normal, Zach. Um, it wasn't anything anything different than it's been the last three years. Now, in my mind, right? In my mind, you better believe I'm thinking, how do I reprove myself? Right? I was a young coach that um, that Mr. Laurie and and Howie and and this organization uh, trusted to give the job to. I had to prove myself that. You know, this, this, this guy, uh, can, can lead, you know, the organization like they, like they asked me to. And I had to prove myself from then. And I think that, you know, you asked me that question, like, 
did I like have to sell my vision? No, because again, it was business as usual, but you better believe that I'm thinking after that one and six finish, uh, after starting the way we started and doing the things that we've done in the past that I'm thinking I'm going to prove them right again. Um, that, you know, and we're going to prove them right. Right. We got to reprove ourselves. We got to go prove it again. And so that's how I, that's how I feel right now. Um, that's how, you know, I'm attacking this off season. That's how I'm attacking this, this upcoming, you know, season as we, as we get ready for it. Um, just hungry to be able to prove myself again to, you know, Mr. Laurie and the faith that he's had in me and Howie and the faith that he's had in me and, and the rest of the team and, and the city. Can I, can I just say something? I, I, I just want to say something because I think, um, I think it's important, Tim, something you said made me think about this, to think about these exit meetings and um, what the purposes of them are. And the purpose of them is, like everything we do, we're trying to accumulate information. You know, For us to make good decisions, we're trying to accumulate information. But at the end of the day, the decisions are made by us. You know, um, We understand um, that everyone has, has different opinions and perspectives, but we're going to make those decisions. So I say that just in relation to, you know, you ask kind of what Jalen and – and that's not fair also to Jalen. You know, he's 25 years old, you know, like Jalen is continuing to grow and get better. And what we see at 25 is going to be different than 26. I'm just using Jalen as an example here. And so I think for us, it's also important to understand, like we accept responsibility, whatever the product is at the end of the day, that's that's on me. That's on coach, and and we accept that. So we don't ask the players to make these decisions. Um, we don't ask the other people who work for us to make the, these decisions. We try to get information and we try to make the best decisions we possibly can so that the confetti can fall on our head again and we can be world champs again because that's the only agenda. But in terms of, in terms of improving Jalen, what needs to be done, um, Nick and Howie, and from Jalen himself to get him back playing like he was in 2022? Yeah, you know, obviously we're all going to have things that we need to work on. Um, and, and, and Jalen is no different than, than any, we all are going to have a look. We're going to all go look at the things that from the season and say, well, we need to work on this or we need to work on that. Um, without getting into the specifics of that, cause like I said, we all, I'm, you guys are going to ask me, what about this? What about that? You know, what, the one thing I do know about Jalen is, you know, when, people or when there are things of his game that he needs to improve he he goes to work and he and he does he busts his ass to do that um i think you know you saw such a you know i think that there was a lot of questions after that first year about some things about could he be the passer or whatever whatever the questions were and he came out and put together mvp type season the following year like in just his the way he threw the ball the way he delivered the ball accuracy all those different things like he just continues to grow and i and i said it last year a bunch like i don't know if we know what this guy's ceiling is because he's going to work and do everything he's that he needs to do to get better. And, you know, and for, you know, for 11 weeks this year, right, for 11 weeks this year, he was on top of the MVP talk, right? You guys asked about that. And then he was on top of the MVP talk of where he was through 11 weeks. And we all had a bad stretch through the last part portion of it. In fact, there were games like even, even though we were in a bad stretch as a team, I thought Jalen was playing really good football. So like, but I get it. Like me as the head coach, Jalen as the quarterback, we're going to draw the, the most scrutiny and the most, you know, attention and eyes. And we understand that and the seats that we sit in. But I know, I know that the things that Jalen needs to work on 
and the things that we'll sit down together and talk about. Um, and the thing, I have no doubt in my mind that he's going to bust his ass to do that because that's who he is. That's who he's been since the day he's got here. That's why he continues to develop, um, in, in things that maybe people thought was a, was a negative for him in the past that he's made into a strength. So, um, I have no doubt about the person doing that because I've seen him do it. I've seen him do it over and over again. And I look forward to him doing it with this, this off season with all the things that we talk about, um, of, for all of us to improve on. When you look at this, what happened this uh, past year, and especially with a lot of noise that were talking about Nick and, and possibly replacement from the outside, what gave you the confidence to bring him back for another season and to lead this team? Because I've seen it been done. You know, I've had the opportunity to to work with him, and uh, I've seen what he has done, um, winning games. Winning games um, put us in a position where we're competing for a world championship, um, putting us in a position where every year we're in the playoff race and giving us an opportunity with the team to do that. Those things are hard to find. Uh, you know, um, I don't know the stat off my head, but I'm, I'm sure there's not more than a handful of teams who've made the playoffs the last three years. Um, and it takes all of us. Uh, we had a tough stretch. Um, if you go back to when we walked off the field after the Buffalo game and we were 10 and 1, which, you know, I've talked about that time machine. I would take a time machine to do that. That would be a beautiful thing, but we can't. Um, I think there would be a lot different narrative being told, and we can't lose sight of the big picture. Um, we have a lot of good people on this football team. We got a lot of good players. We got a lot of good coaches. We got a lot of good people in this building. You know, I look around this building, I couldn't be more proud of the people. That doesn't mean we can't fight through adversity. That doesn't mean we can't overcome this and take this back to the level and beyond that we were at last year. It's not going to take a snap of the fingers. We got to work hard. We, we got to do whatever we can to have the right people, um, bring in the right people to to do that. But we have a lot of those pieces in place. Um, this cupboard isn't even close to bear. Hey, hey, just now that said that the Fangio and the Dolphins parted ways and that specifically the Eagles will be... It's just like what happened when you had to do a press conference at one time. It's like just... Uh, what, 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 what was it? Oh, it wasn't, yeah. It said specifically he will be the top target for the Eagles. I was curious if you can comment on that. We got a lot of good, we got a lot of good targets um, that we're working through. Um, you know, and there are a lot of guys that have, have done really well in their interview process and look forward to continue on that process. We'll see what happens. All the evaluations been completed or you think we're still working. We're still working. Yeah. And, and, and that's what, and that's what's tough, right? You're, you're still working and there's some guys that are still up in the air. You know, I, I hate this for them because we are replacing coordinators and, and, and there's guys that are up in the air, um, and, and their families are up in the air in the sense of like, I got to get a coordinator in before we make a decision on maybe some of the quality controls or some of the position coaches. Um, I know I believe in the guys upstairs. Um, and, but, you know, also there, there has to be an ability for some of the coordinators to bring in, you know, maybe one or two of their guys or, or more. Um, and so that's still an evaluation process. That's something that might not get sorted out until the coordinator's hired, till he, that coordinator gets to meet with some of the guys, make sure they can work together. Um, and so that's still in a, that's still a process that we're going through. Now, now, you know, over the years, you've been pretty yeah, consistent, you've been pretty consistent with us talking about the offense, whether it's, you know, if Shane's here, it's your offense. Calling the players, Brian, it's your offense. When from that change, that evolution, 
any encouragement come from outside or is that something just coming from you? Again, I just think that right now we we just need to to bring some some ideas in from the outside, right? And and we need to bring a, a guy in that from with with new ideas that's not part of this family of coaches. I think that's a that's an important thing. Or even if it is a family of the coaches that has been somewhere else, and then you could, like it, it could be any of any of that. And so um, that's important. You know, that's important because that's important that you're making sure you always evolve, right? And we are blessed with time um, and that, you know, college coaches don't have sometimes because they're recruiting and we're blessed with how much tape we're able to watch, how much tape we're watching on, uh, you know, prospects. And we see the other college, you know, college tape and things like that. So the evolution will not just be of you know, the things that this new coordinator will bring to the table um, as far as their scheme and things that we may not know a lot about, um, you know, because it is easy to look it out and say, oh, I like to do that, like to do that, like to do that, but not know everything there is to know about. It. And that's where you're bringing the coordinator in to, to bring those new ideas. But then you also, we're going to have this time over this next six months or five months or whatever it is to also study some own ideas ourselves. We'll go to a college, we'll go to see, we'll bring somebody in here to make sure we're studying uh, things that we want to learn more about, whether that's something we just want to learn more about, whether that's something that we were uh, deficient in last year. Um, those will be all the different topics of what our professional development is and then um and then you also have the things from from our offense that we've done done well in the past this will be our offense this will be the philadelphia eagles offense um not whoever you know name the coordinator's offense or my name on it or whoever kevin patulo's it will be our offense and really look forward to you know really evolving the offense and some things that i believe that by the end of the year um you know got got stale and it was you know and we saw the way how that that ended and statistically you know you finished positive on a lot of different things but by the obviously at one of six finish you know there was things that that got stale and looking forward to i i just i really see the beauty of what can happen um with bringing in this this new coordinator and where our offense can go because of it why did the offense get so stale? We'll go Zach next. I'm sorry. I was saying, why did the offense get so stale? Was it because of the quarterback, the play calling? Why did we all have a hand in it. Uh, we all have a hand in it. And I'll take, and anything that happens on that field will always start with, with me. I don't care if that's offense, defense, or special teams. Um, and so I'll be, the, I'll be on the front of that, of, you know, where the, the staleness came from. Um, you know, um, but they, but we did, you know, there was things that we, we look at and, you know, that we can, we can do better, right? And whether that's the, the pass game, whether it's the run game, whether it's the protections, there's, there's parts of that in all areas that we look at and be like, ah, you know, that, that war its course. And, and that doesn't mean that's your entire offense. That's just portions of it, right? Cause you're still going to have staples that are, that are staples for you that can be run against any defense at any time, at any, at any moment. Um, that was just some stale moments of, of all of those phases of, of the game that, um, that I just mentioned. Alan, what perspective do you have now of the roster composition? And you, you made a few references to wanting to keep playing this week, like a team still playing this week. How do you think it compares to the team still playing this week? Yeah, I think we've we've always kind of had our own spin on roster building, and I think that at the same time, I've talked a lot about um, you know 
if you keep following things as opposed to being at the head of the curve, then you're kind of getting the leftovers. Like you have to be ahead of it. And I, I think that um, when we've had uh, um, our best teams, we've been ahead of it. And so we continue to study that and try to figure out ways to do that. We study what's successful, what we think will be successful going forward. And I, I think in roster building, you're, you're not going to be perfect. You're going to make mistakes. I think that, you know, you could look at the four teams playing right now, and I promise you we can go over a couple of things they'd like to have back. You know, that's part of it. The most important thing we got to do is we got to have, we got to have a vision for how we want it to look. We have to have a process that we want to have. And sometimes you can have a vision, you can have a process, and the result's not what you want, you know? And so you got to make sure that you're not overreacting to a result that, you know, maybe, just kind of was an aberration in the moment. And then you got to look at maybe is the process right? So I think just like coaches going through that, I think that's one of the things we're real about around here. You know, how can we get better? What can we do better to improve ourselves? You know, to me, uh, we're at a point here where the only thing that matters is winning. That's the only thing that matters. It's the only thing that matters is for us to put out a product on the field that gives us the best chance to win a championship every year. And I know we can do that because we've done it. And we'll continue to work as hard as we possibly can to continue to grow and learn from any adversity we have and do whatever we can to overcome that. All right. Thanks, Thanks folks. All right, Howie Roseman, uh, Nick Sirianni, a ton there, a ton there, and we're going to break it all down, uh, including a bombshell that came out in the middle of the press conference from Adam Schefter, Vic Fangio, and the Dolphins have parted ways, and he is reported to be the top target, and part of the reason why the Dolphins let him leave is so that Fangio who is right now 65 years old, could be closer to his home in Pennsylvania. More Sports Bash coming up. We have the perfect... Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, click Grainger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We're sitting in traffic. You come with me. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. That is hard to do in the National Football League. That is hard to find um, a head coach in this league who has that record of success. Um, I think we were 33-11 and 11 up until that point um, with Nick. Um, we made the playoffs three straight years again. Not okay finishing 1-6, so I'm not sitting up here saying that, but it is hard to find somebody who can do those sort of things. Uh, Hallie Roseman earlier today on why the question was, then, Nick, what do you do here? We got a new coordinator. His offense is going to kind of be our offense the coordinator who apparently is going to be Vic Fangio uh that appears to be happening I'll have more on that in in just a couple minutes here um my head is spinning there's so much to talk about um the question was then Nick what do you do and he said well I'm the head coach (laughs) he's the head coach uh he said he might go into more defensive meetings um I don't know. After hearing that press conference, do you feel better? Do you feel worse? Do you feel that this team's moving in the right direction? 
I, I will say this. The press conference was delayed by a half an hour. I have to imagine the Fangio stuff fell in their lap at that moment. And at that moment, they're saying they get a call from Vic's people. And he says, look, Vic just got out of his deal in Miami. He wants to come home. We'll take him. I mean, I'm imagining they got a deal hammered out in that 30 minutes, and that's what took – I mean, that has to be what happened, right? Well, if they got the deal hammered out, why would they just announce it during the presser? Like, Well, maybe they didn't hammer it out, but I think they are probably agreed on the fact that, yes, we're interested. We want you to be our guy. We got this presser, and then we'll work on a contract. But they probably had contract discussions in the past with the whole Gannon thing, and then when Gannon said, I'm going to stay, and Fangio left – they probably pick right back up where they left off. My working theory, and this is my personal opinion, is I think that probably Fangio's people called Howie and was like, look, could we make this happen? No, and, no doubt. I, I think he, and they then, called and said, look, Vic wants to move closer to home. He is prepared to part ways with Miami. He's already had the discussion with them, and, and, and that's it. And then Howie turned around and said, well, listen, you get him out of his deal first, and then we'll talk. Absolutely. Look, I, I mean, you... You Now, I will say this. If you like Vic Fangio, you're going to get the same style of defense, maybe a little bit more wisdom, a little wiser, but you're going to get that John Gannon style of defense where you might not like it, not a lot of blitzing. The Miami Dolphins, um, I don't know, what was their defense? They had a lot of injuries. I was going to say, the Dolphins' defense was fine until the injuries piled up. You know, at the end of the season, they were just grabbing dudes off the street, basically. It was like the 2018 Eagles. Remember, yeah. they were just getting guys off the street to come out and play. So, you know, I mean, at the end of the season, I'm pulling it up right now, the Dolphins' defense, they were allowing 23 points per game. So they still allowed less points per game than the Eagles did with the mass unit. All right, so these are some of my takeaways from what I heard today. One... If they rolled with the Sirianni made the decision for the Patricia, Uh, a Roseman went up there and said, Nick came to me and said he wanted to make a change. Not unlike he did with Shane Steichen, the play caller in 2021. Right. We supported him on that. So Roseman said Sirianni came to him about demoting Sean Desai. I have to take him at his word somewhat because I find it hard that you are going to sit right next to the guy and flat out lie about that. Like, hey, we're pinning this on you. We're not taking the blame for this. No, I have to imagine that that's really what happened. Like, if Roseman went to him and said, you're getting rid of Desai and you're taking Patricia, it would be really hard for me to imagine that he just sat up there and blatantly could tell that story with Sirianni sitting right next to him. Agree or disagree on that? I agree, but I also know that I've I've watched enough reality TV and non-reality TV to know that people corroborate their stories, Holy, too. Yeah, but still, you've got to be like, Nick, you're taking the blame for this. Why am I taking the blame? 
Like, that's a lot. I mean, come on. Well, they would probably argue it as they're empowering Nick. Like, see, Nick's the head coach. Nick's the man in charge. Maybe. You know, he, he mentioned multiple times the presser, I trust Nick. I trust his people. You know, and Nick said, I trust Howie and I trust his people. You know, there's a lot of using that word trust. So I'm assuming in their mind, this was their way of saying, see, we're empowering our working relationship publicly. Man, that's a tough one to sit there and tell that story while the guy's sitting right next to you. That's a tough one man. Um, I think it's probably tougher to explain it to the owner. To me, it's it's harder for me to explain that story to the owner than the media. Because the media, all they got is what you got to tell them. The owner is going to be like, I don't want The media's not here. Tell me what happened. Uh, Roseman stressed that they believe in N'Kobe Dean. He, he brought up the fact that there's a misconception that the team devalues the linebacker position and that they had good linebackers in the Super Bowl year, and that they felt that Dean was going to be a good linebacker. That's an easy thing to say when he doesn't have any game tape, really, to show either way. Well, to me, it was powerful that they mentioned. He was one of the only guys they mentioned multiple times. It was him and Jalen Hurts. From my notes, like they were the only two guys that they named. I don't recall him times. mentioning any other players, period. Like, I heard Dean and Hertz. Yeah, Hertz was asked about, but it's not like they say we like Jalen Carter right. or we like you know. He this said guy. we like the young players on this team. But he specifically said we believe in Nicobe Dean. That's why we drafted him, and unfortunately, he wasn't able to show people what he could do. Oh, that was one of your predictions in the two o'clock hour. You said a generalization of the young players, the core that we have on this team. Okay, Sirianni said the best person for the job that can utilize the skills our players have when asked about the defensive coordinator. Well, we now know the best person for the job is going to be Vic Fangio. I don't think there's any doubt by the time this show is over, Vic Fangio will be. I mean, this is like Doc Rivers getting the Bucks, the Bucks job. That took almost 24 hours. Yeah, so. I guess they had to finish it in the end. But, look, by 5 o'clock tonight, um. By 5 o'clock tonight when John McMullen joined us, I would imagine he's going to tell us Vic Fangio is going to be the next head coach. So I see Mike Garofola and Ann Rappaport also on NFL Network right now reporting that as well. I think um, that's a fait accompli, okay? What else do I have? Sirianni said he's willing to change the structure of the offense that the new OC offensive coordinator will bring – he'll bring fresh ideas – so he said it's not his offense, it's not my offense, it is our offense. So Nick was kind of holding on to that he has elements of his offense that he thinks still works, which, listen, I don't have a problem with that part of it. Like I said before, if you want to run your offense and there's parts of it that work, you got to be willing, though, to let the guy add some things to his from his offense that he wants to add that can add to what you do well. And that new guy should be willing to listen. Hey, you got some stuff that works? Throw it my way. I'll take a look at it. But it, he said it won't be my offense. It won't be the new guy's offense. It will be our offense. Are you encouraged by Nick saying also at one point, we need outside ideas? Um, yeah. Uh, I think he, he went on this babbling ramble. Well, the one thing, yeah. The... But part of it was like, <laughs> you do things, you say some of the things I do well, you then look at yourself and say, maybe I don't do them well, and I have to change my opinion on that. Like, he went on this whole diatribe of, you know, 
yes, we 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 need to come to terms with maybe what we're doing is it needs to we need to get better at. I now see why Howie hasn't shaved for a week because of the way Nick talks. <laughs> well, I, I told you that they would answer eight minute answers. So that uh, <laughs> how long was the pressure? About forty minutes? No, it was like thirty, like thirty one. I think it came out to. So uh, I was off on my forty five. Well, minutes. it was higher than mine. It was lower than yours. It was, so was kind of in, in the middle. Yeah, you said twenty. I said forty five. Yeah, the um, Eagles cut the difference. They told us to go bleep ourselves. 609-403-0973, and text messages coming in. Uh, 3 o'clock, uh, sports bash here. Next hour, football at 4 with Mosher, and then at 5 o'clock, McMullen. McMullen was there. You heard him ask a question. I see Mosher reacting. Uh, text board is open. Mike, I'm a Howie defender. However, he should have selected Kyle Hamilton instead of drafting capital uh, trading draft capital to move up two spots for Jordan Davis a couple of years ago. Our D-line depth was fine. Davis is a one-dimensional defender. Don't neglect the linebackers in sa- secondary early in the draft anymore. Hey, you could be a Howie defender and say that he makes mistakes. I don't have a problem with Howie Roseman. He makes mistakes. Give me a GM that hits 100% of his draft selections, and I'll tell you you're lying. There isn't one. Would I have liked Kyle Hamilton? Look, if they even if they didn't take Kyle Hamilton this year, they could have taken Branch in the draft this past year. They could have got him instead of Nolan Smith. And you saw Branch all over the field for the Detroit Lions the other day. Uh, I would love to have Branch playing safety on this team instead of Nolan Smith doing nothing right now. But you could be the biggest Howie defender in the world and say, hey, he makes mistakes, man. He's not going to hit on every single one of them. Uh, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Uh, Vic Fangio. Does that push your pile? Do you like that move? Because he looks like he's going to be the next defensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles. He has parted ways with the Miami Dolphins, citing he wants to return closer to his family in Pennsylvania. Uh, Maybe he's going to the Steelers. 97.3 ESPN presents the Sports Bash with Mike Gill. It's time for Football at Four, powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. Just hungry to bring back another Lombardi to Philly. Uh, uh, The fans deserve it. Our team deserves it. Uh, Culture begs for it. Now live from inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, this is Football at Four. Football at Four, powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. Jeff Mosher, you can listen to the Inside the Birds podcast on all podcasting platforms and on their YouTube channel. Just search inside the birds and of course uh, howie roseman and nick sirianni just finished up so we've got a lot to talk about but maybe the biggest story of all most happened in the middle of the press conference vic fangio has parted ways with the miami dolphins the top target for the eagles happened in the middle of the press conference so i would have to imagine that's why the press conference was delayed by a half an hour is Vic Fangio the next defensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles? I mean, Vic Fangio was in the building with them and would have been the defensive coordinator had Jonathan Gannon accepted a job or even been interviewed, right, for the Cardinals' head coaching job before the Super Bowl, before Nick Vic, Vic Fangio had taken the Miami Dolphins' job. So obviously he's a guy that was hanging around with the Eagles as a consultant for a reason, and he was considered a successor if they were to lose Gannon. Uh, you heard Nick Sirianni in the press conference today, 
asked about it. I think Nick was being respectful to those he's interviewed and still probably plans to interview and didn't want to say, yeah, we're going to hire Vic Fangio, but I'm still going to go through uh, all these interviews or he's been the guy all along and negate what, what interviews he's already done. But you would have to imagine that Vic Fangio would be at the top of their list. Does that mean it is 100% without a doubt lockdown done deal? I don't, I'm not there yet, Mike. I think I have to have to have both him and Howie and Jeffrey and Julian, everybody involved have to have serious discussions about what type of defense they have the personnel for and what type of defense they want to be. They certainly have the personnel to run a Fangio style defense because they've been doing it for four years now, but they haven't always had the greatest success with it. And even when they were good two years ago under Gannon, there were issues at times against good quarterbacks and they've kind of lost their way as an attacking defense, Mike, a downhill style defense that really gets uh, gets into you know, the, the quarterback. So um, I think that that's probably going to be a discussion to make sure that they still have the same vision now that they did a year ago when they were have brought uh, Vic in as their defensive coordinator if he was available. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess the, that's what we need to reaffirm for the listeners. Vic Fangio is going to run the same defensive style. He might have better concepts, a better grasp of it because many people run – his style of defense. He's kind of the guy who created this style of defense, but you would probably be getting the best in the business of that style. And if you want to keep that style, it's probably the guy to get. That would, yeah. I mean, it's called the Fangio defense because it's his defense, right? And everybody is out there sort of copycatting it, much like people are trying to copycat the Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan schemes with their disciples. Here, you don't need the disciple. You got the guy. But again, I do think that there have to be and there will be conversations about whether or not this style of defense, which is new to the Eagles, if you look at the big history of what they do for the longest time, whether it was Jim Johnson or, you know, anybody else, uh, you know, Doug Peterson uh, had um, Jim Schwartz, right? For a long time, the Eagles have been a 4-3, Buddy Ryan, 4-3 or his 4-6 style defense, whatever you want to call it. But they've been a 4 three defense with occasional like the three-year Chip Kelly uh, experiment. That was a 3-4, but they've generally been that way. The Fangio defense really started with Jonathan Gannon and Nick Sirianni just three years ago. So you don't know how married to this scheme uh, and concept that guys like Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie want to be for the long haul after seeing the results of it for the last three or four years, which have been mixed. True. Um, I guess, uh, yeah, they, they've been mixed. Uh, they had some success to, with, with Jonathan. A lot of people didn't like it, but they were the number two defense in the league, got them there. Um, and, and obviously we'll see, but the Vic Fangio news, I thought obviously and that came out of nowhere in the middle of the press conference. I mean, for God's sakes, it almost, uh, you know, you're just like, Boo, you're hoping that the people in the room could, would be able to see that this news got out there while this was happening. Uh, some of the other stuff. I mean, Nick, I mean, he, he gets asked about the offensive coordinator. What did you get from his answer on, on the coordinator? Is this coordinator going to get to run his offense, Nick's offense, or our offense? I wonder if you got a similar read because I, I was, I was sort of impressed with Nick because he didn't hold back. I mean, he was very forthcoming that the new offensive coordinator will be the play caller, 
we'll be bringing in a scheme, we'll be bringing in concepts, and that Nick will be a CEO head coach who might even step into more defensive meetings, right? And I, I thought that that was probably tough for Nick to sort of have to admit, kind of maybe a little emasculating, like I'm really not going to be involved as much as I have been in the past in the offense. However, there were just little drops when Nick talked about like, yeah, and then they're going to mesh – this guy is going to mesh his concepts and what he brings with the things that we did well the last three years. And, you know, if you know coaches, Mike, and you do, they're, they're always a little stubborn. They always want to cling to, you know, some of their process, right? And so it sounded like Nick was like 95%. Yes, this person is the play caller. It's their scheme. It's what they want to do. It's got to work. Oh, and but he, this person's probably going to, you know, run some of the stuff that we've done well with over the last three years. He couldn't let that part go, but I get it. I actually thought he was more accountable and more, I guess, adjustable than what I heard from Howie Roseman. Um, all right, explain that. What, what did you think that Roseman wasn't willing to budge on? Yeah, well, I mean, Roseman was twice asked about the personnel, the defense and the the and the, the 53. He only overall, called right? one and guy out by name the whole day, and he gave uh, huge praise for N'Kobe Dean. Gave huge praise for N'Kobe Dean, and by gosh, was Zach Cunningham. Was he not one of their best linebackers, Mike? I mean, like, that he, he throws that in as if people don't realize, well, that's a guy that you signed in, like, the middle of training camp. That's not a great thing that he winds up being uh, your best linebacker. That probably shows you where you were at at linebacker. But um, it was in the middle of that sort of question about the personnel where, yeah, he sort of talked about, well, N'Kobe Dean got hurt. It wasn't as if N'Kobe Dean was, when he was playing, was playing at some all-pro level either. And then in his first chance to talk about it, it wasn't really until the end of his comment that he say, I'm responsible for that or I accept the accountability for that. So it seemed to me like he had some rationale in his mind for why things weren't great and it wasn't bad personnel. And I don't know if you heard Zach Berman's question at the end of the press conference where he was asking about the overall 53. And he said, hey, look. What we do defensively has always been, you know, our our way of doing it. And if you're ahead, that's good. If you're behind, it's like leftover trash, right? So he he, he basically doubled down on saying we, we're always trying to be ahead. We have our process. He talked about having the right process, having the right vision. And then the kicker came, Mike. He said, and making sure you don't overreact to something that might be an aberration at the moment. And I don't know if he was speaking generally or specifically about this last year, but if his point was we can't overreact to the aberration of our 2023 defense, I would say, I mean, I think that there's a disconnect between perception and reality. I mean, that that, that wasn't a good defense because of personnel, first and foremost. I mean, yes, the coaching comes into Evolve, and, and they figured out every way to make it worse, yeah. right? But well, they're in a weird I, spot, I just, most, yeah. with this with this conversation here. Let's let's uh, peel the onion off a little bit here, because alright, I'm Roseman. Is it an aberration? I've got Slay and Bradbury still signed. I've got Byard still signed, although I guess they can you know, uh, get some money back for him. Blankenship is back. Dean, he called out, and, and so it seems that he's a part of their plans. Sounds like a lot of the same, the same guys right now when he's ha- when he's saying this. Now, in the back of his mind, is he saying, "I got to figure out a way to get out of the Bradbury situation. We're going to get rid of Byard. I don't know, but the he 
today, as his contracts sit, he better hope it was an aberration. That, that, yeah, I mean, I, I am under no no belief that he's just going to run it back with like ninety percent of these guys. You know, I can I can believe that he believes in Nicobe Dean, and that if Nicobe Dean comes back healthy, he believes that will be a, a really important part of the interior of the defense, and they can get another linebacker. Um, that that secondary though needs work. You just you know you talk about the safeties right there, the no corners, doubt. the nickels. I mean that that secondary definitely needs an overhaul. And let's not act like the front four or the pass rush, I should say, was perfect either. We saw Josh Sweat really regress over the second half of the season. Some people think that you know even guys who watch the tape say he's dragging his leg. That's not a good thing. We saw Jalen Carter really not play that well down the stretch. We saw Jordan Davis. We heard Jordan Davis admit in his exit interviews with the media that his play really fell off as well. I mean, Hassan Reddick was consistent. Milton Williams, I thought, was good. But this was not the same kind of ferocious pass rush from two years ago. So there's work to be done here. Are you buying at all that Roseman answered the question on how the Desai firing went down? Do you take that at face value? that this was Sirianni going to him and making the suggestion. You're muted. You're muted. You're muted. You're muted. Sorry about that. Um, Only the people who are in that room really know. But, you know, our information was that it was a Nick Sirianni uh, was all for it, was was part of it. Um, Our information inside the birds was that Howie Roseman had some questions go even before Howie was was questioning, asking questions about what was going wrong with the defense. It felt very collaborative when I looked into it that these two guys were on the same page. I guess the question would be then, does it matter to you who made the decision? Because to me, I think it does put a a ding against Nick. If that's his decision, it kind of shows that he made a knee-jerk reaction that was completely wrong. Well, I agree with you. I do think it says a lot about both Nick and Howie. I mean, I, I but I feel like I already knew that with Howie and Jeffrey, there's always a little bit of a panic button push. I always say with them that, that the panic button is halfway pushed. I mean, these guys talk about their patience with Andy Reid, which they were, um, but they really don't have a track record of patience with anybody else. Some deserve, some not deserve, and certainly not with coordinators, right? I mean, Coordinators and position coaches are hired and fired through the Eagles probably as much, if not more, than any other team, especially teams with winning records. I mean, these guys are constantly run in and out of here, in and out of here. They're not ever given a chance to rectify wrongs. Like, they're just – and then you just saw it again, as you're talking about, with Desai and Matt Patricia. So the fact that Nick kind of is involved in that kind of culture is probably not a good thing either um, and, and supported it and may have been the driving force behind it. Is is not good because Nick Sirianni has said, like many head coaches say, uh, Mike, Nick Sirianni says when you encounter adversity, you have to double down on what you do well and what you know to be right, your process. Because eventually, if you're convicted in that process and it's worked for you in the past, it will work for you again, even when you have adversity. Well, he did not double down on anything with his defense when he just pulled the rug out underneath his coordinator at the sign of adversity. So that, to me, is a little bit hypocritical. Uh, Jeff Mosher, Inside the Birds podcast. All right, let's uh, – Cliff Kingsbury 
uh, reported to have uh, met with the team. Mike Garofalo, the hat tip to him, former Arizona Cardinals head coach. He spent last year in college. Uh, does Cliff Kingsbury do anything for you? Does it make sense? You know, I don't want to hold the whole Arizona tenure against him. I mean, he did go, what, 11-6 and six in his uh, yeah, third year? I'm not, I'm not holding it against him or saying good. I'm just saying, like, does, does it make sense that he – and do you see that he would be a guy that would come in here and want to mesh? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that he would be a guy that the Eagles would want to come in here and run the offense, not, not based on anything Arizona-related other than the fact that when he took the Arizona job, Everybody said, oh, man, Cliff Kingsbury is going to come into the NFL and try to run an air raid offense, and he's going to get his quarterback killed, and he's not going to use tight ends. And, and all that stuff turned out to be false. Cliff Kingsbury used tight ends. He ran, put, you know, pin put, uh, push run game, you know, gap run game. I mean, he did NFL things in the NFL. Now, whether or not he had enough personnel to be good or whether the quarter, you know, all that stuff is like just kind of like context to the situation. What I thought about Cliff Kingsbury was that he proved people wrong in that he did not get, I don't think his schemes got his quarterback killed. His quarterback ran a lot, obviously, uh, and then wound up tearing his ACL. But he did have some decent offenses. He had some, um, and and he showed that he can coach at an NFL level without trying to, You know, like the way Chip Kelly came in here and ran a college scheme, some say, and never adjusted. I don't think that was the case with Cliff Kingsbury. So he he is someone I'd be interested in and I think is an intriguing name um, given his pedigree and where he's worked and who he's worked with. All right. So Jared Johnson's interesting quarterback coach, right, in, in Houston. I just don't see how. You bring in a guy who has not been a play caller. Now, this guy might be the greatest offensive coordinator ever, but what message does that send? If you tell Brian Johnson, we fired you because you did a terrible job running my offense, to not say, we're going to let you mesh your concepts in, but we're going to bring in a different guy who has no play calling and give him the ability to do what he wants to do. That doesn't seem that that's going to add up. Well, this goes back to our Monday conversation where I, I tell people don't re, don't try to envision every single person who's interviewed for the job as that's the guy they want to be the coordinator. When the Eagles do their interviews, they typically cast a wide net, right? We talked about that on Monday. They take their time. They cast a wide net. They interview a wide variety of candidates of all different levels. And I, they're doing the same thing, and there's nothing wrong with fact-finding about a guy that Nick Sirianni has coached with in the past that is comes from the San Francisco, now Houston system, the, the McVay, I'm sorry, the Shanahan style offense, um, a guy who was with the Eagles. <laughs> Amazingly, I feel old in 2000, I think 11 or 12, you know, the dream team that he was a camp body quarterback. So there's nothing wrong with saying, all right, well, let's see what this guy's made of. Let's see what he thinks of play calling concepts, passing concepts, running concepts, offensive concepts, how he would do it. And maybe you get blown away and you got a guy that down the road you want to, you want to, you know, bring back in for an interview, or maybe you're blown away and think he can handle the play calling job because he did it in college. I, I don't know, but I, I don't want to, again, that's why I say fact finding and identifying an, a true candidate are two different things. Yeah, I just, I would find it to be far-fetched, as, as everything you said, I would find it to be far-fetched that he would be the, the the hire, and if it was the hire, I think that's a pretty big slap in the face to Brian Johnson, for God's sakes. But 
it, uh, would you rate his candidacy on a scale of one to ten? Three? Higher? I don't want to put a number on it. I don't know who they've, who, who else. I mean, I've got an idea of some other names, but like, um, well, let's just see how they, how, I would, I would say it's more unlikely than likely. Let's, let's leave it at that. Do you think Cliff Kingsbury is a very pro- possible candidate? Yeah. Or is this because you're wondering, okay, for the people listening, why Cliff Kingsbury? Where the hell did he come from? Well, he is Lincoln Riley, who Roseman is a big Riley fan. So is that a probable situation? Well, yeah, more more so, yes, than Gerard Johnson. I mean, because of what we talked about. He's been a play, he was the play caller for the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. He was there for four years. He worked under Lincoln Riley. He worked at USC this past year. Uh, again, under Lincoln Riley. So, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, just the experience, the ability to have a scheme, a concept that he has ownership to and has a record of it in the NFL and he can present, I think would give him uh, a pretty good boost there. Yeah, and, and listen, um, you, you, because the question has kind of been, like, there's veteran play callers out there. Are they going to want to come here if they don't get to run their offense? I mean, you're going to call Arthur Smith and say, Hey man, come here and run our offense, but you got to run partially my offense. And he's probably not a candidate. I don't know. Is Frank Reich, who was your boss at one point, then going to say, "Yeah, I'll run some of your stuff"? Or I mean, it's just a weird dynamic here uh, when you're looking at these candidates, and that's why the whole—it's not his offense or my offense; it's our offense. I think I don't—I don't know. Do you feel that it clarified enough for you? Um, I mean, I think 90% of what Nick said was it's going to be his, this guy's offense, this guy's concept, this guy's scheme, this guy's call the plays. Okay. But there, we're, we are going to – I think it goes back again to our Monday conversation. They're not going to hire someone like Greg Roman who's going to sit there and put three tight ends on the field and run – with the running back 15, 20 times, then run with the quarterback five more times, and then grind, you know, that. So, so of course, whoever they hire is going to be a dynamic passing game guy, and that's going to already mesh with Nick, who is a West Coast offense guy and who likes the passing game too. So there's just going to be a natural mesh point there anyway. I don't think it's going to be a, a force mesh where I'm making you run vertical routes, like four verts on a cover two or anything like that. You know, it's it's going to be like-minded uh when you look at this press conference uh how did nick sirianni come off to you did he come off of i'm in control of this team and i'm the guy or did he come off of eh, howie and jeffrey kind of they laid into me and i'm (laughs) i mean it's interesting how he called the bit the the end of the year meeting was uh, bit, yeah. wait, business, said, as usual. business as usual. Yeah, not that he, he had to go in and fight for his job. That it was just right. uh, basic. You know, I was wondering if they were going to come off and say, "Why would we have to announce that he's coming back? He's got another year on his contract." Like I thought that would be how they wanted to try to play this. No, they spun it differently. They said, "Well, you know, Tuesday was exit interview day. Or we didn't get back till really Tuesday was off day. Wednesday was exit. Then there was a snowstorm on Thun the day after. So that's why." You know, this has taken so long. So they, they, trust me, they got their spin in, Mike, but it was just different than we all imagined it would be. But the point I was making about business as usual is right after he said that, he pivoted into, but I, I'm going to reprove myself. I'm here to reprove myself. So he sort of gave the old, it's business as usual. Well, if it was business as usual, what, what, what's all this reproving myself thing coming from? He, he did make it sound like he knew 
that meeting was 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 yeah maybe it was business as usual but there's no like there's no as Andy Reid would say we just get we're just a little hair off we just got to tighten it up it sounds like Nick knew that he needed to make massive changes and look he's going to he's going to be even more of a CEO head coach than he's been before so who drops the bomb and says all right you got this guy and this guy so what's your job now I mean, uh, Nick says, well, I'm the head coach. I mean, that was a fun give and take. Man, that was, uh, I know it's not, it's not like Nick is the only head coach in the NFL who doesn't, who, who does, I mean, John Harbaugh is in the AFC champion. They might win the Super Bowl, right? He's not an offensive coach or a defensive coach. He is the CEO head coach. You know, Pete Carroll did it for many years too. So it's not yeah. like Nick's the only guy. So what do you do? <laughs> I just work here, man. <laughs> I'm here so I don't get fined. Um, I felt like the uh, the whole Bob and Bob scene at Office Space there. Like, what would you say you actually do here? <laughs> and then Nick going, I'm a people person. <laughs> Uh, all right, Jeff Mosher, I'm sure the uh, podcast uh, Inside the Birds is going to be a good one. Uh, make sure you check that out. And, of course, uh, football at four. Andrew was there, right? He'll be on tomorrow. He was in the building. So uh, we'll have more updates on that. And then uh, uh, on a probability that Vic Fangio is hired by tomorrow. No, I I only say no because I imagine that they've been lining up other interviews and, and want to have some. Um, so I think they want to see that process through. Mm. Again, fact-finding, talk to people. Vic's not going anywhere, especially if he he's a Pennsylvania guy. And if he thinks that he's the top candidate, or if he's been told he's the top candidate, he's not going to go. He, this time, I don't think they have to worry about it like last time. So I would imagine that there'll still be some time in between. I could be wrong on that. That's just speculation on my part. But that's how I feel about it. All right. Uh, that is Jeff Mosher from the Inside the Birds podcast. Thanks, bud. You got it, man. Uh, we got plenty more to do today here on the Sports Bash Live 97.3 ESPN. I hope you'll hang out and do it with us here as we take you till 6 o'clock tonight. Uh, McMullen at 5. We got sound of the day. We'll uh, try to get some of the uh, <laughs> craziness sorted out. I mean, that press conference. Uh, we got a poll question of at Mike Gill Show. And I'm just interested to see from you guys right now, how do you feel about the Eagles moving forward after hearing this press conference? Better or worse? Right now it's 60-40. What do you think it is? Better or worse? 60-40. Vote at Mike Gill Show right now. More Sports Bash on the way. Sound of the day coming up next. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. All right, 433 Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. Holy moly, uh, that was a doozy, man. I don't know what was the biggest takeaway from the press conference today other than I guess Vic Fangio is most likely going to be the Eagles' next defensive coordinator. Adam Schefter tweeted it out. The Dolphins and Fangio have mutually agreed to part ways 
And sources tell Schefter and Jeremy Fowler that Fangio will be the top target for the Eagles to hire as their defensive coordinator, and a deal is expected. Miami allowed Fangio to leave to be closer to his family in Pennsylvania. Fangio, of course, was here. That whole debacle during the Super Bowl with Gannon, and Gannon wasn't leaving. Then Gannon got a job. He never said anything, so Fangio left. So Vic Fangio, it sounds like, is going to be the next defensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles. That means you're going to have to put up with that Vic Fangio style of defense, but if you're going to have to do it, why not get the godfather of it, huh? I thought it was interesting because, you know, while the Sirianni press conference was, like, finishing up with him and Howie Roseman, it was Mike Garofolo who confirmed the Sheffrey report. He was on NFL Network less than an hour ago. First part, why is Fangio leaving the Dolphins, Mike? Take a listen. Yeah, it was mutual in the sense that you're right, Ian. Those are two different and distinct personalities in Mike McDaniel and Vic Fangio. I was watching the, the Dolphins in-season hard knocks. Did we even see Vic Fangio? I think we saw every other coach on the coaching staff. I don't know if we saw uh, any peaks behind the scenes at Vic Fangio or him interacting with any of the coaches or anything like that. What, so we're saying he's a, uh, a meh? He didn't get along with McDaniel, it sounds like. Maybe. I mean, it, it, it's not surprising. You got this grumpy old guy, 65-year-old Vic Fangio, and Mike McDaniel, who's out there coaching games wearing, like, capri pants. I don't see the the, the, the meshing of their personalities there. Yeah, whereas Sirianni is a coach's son, and he's he's a little bit more... Well, and Sirianni has already had Fangio around them for a couple of weeks, so there is some sort of prior relationship yeah, there. Yeah, Fangio and uh, Sirianni already dated, and then he went to Florida to meet the young uh, the young Mike McDaniel and realized after a year together, this isn't going to work long term. Listen, and today there was a weird exchange where... Sirianni is asked, you know, hey, you're bringing a new defensive coordinator, he's going to run the defense. You're bringing a new offensive coordinator, you know, he's going to be on the offense. What are you going to do? And Nick says, you know, I'm going to be the head coach of the football team. (laughs) It's a really... um, Yeah, here's what Sirianni said about what his... Because the question was, well, Nick, what do you do? (laughs) You know, because if you're not calling the plays, right? So this is what Nick said. I'll sit more into defensive meetings at times, maybe. Right. Instead of always being in an offensive meeting, maybe I go to a defensive meeting here and there. Um, but my job is to be the head coach of the team, not the head coach of the offense, not the head coach of the defense, not the head coach of the special teams, but be the, be the head coach of the football team. And so that's building the culture. That's making sure the culture's working, you know, with our, our five core values. So where I was kind of going with that is you bring Nick, uh, Vic Fangio and does Nick Sirianni have to go into the defensive room? He might have to with Sean Desai. Maybe he needs to have a little bit more overseeing. But this could go back to the situation where you have that veteran defensive coach and he kind of is let alone. Hey, I got it over here. Go focus on that side of the ball. Vic Fangio, by the way, you know, was a head coach in Denver. I mean, so mm-hmm. this is a guy who has been a head coach. He was a defensive coordinator, got hired when he had a really good run as the Bears coordinator. And he becomes the head uh, the head coach in um, Denver. And last year, he basically comes on as a consultant with the Eagles. Kind of wants that Eagles job, but Gannon is here. And, I mean, it just turned into a disaster. But, I mean, in the end, if you get Vic Fangio, I think it's the best you're going to do. 
Is it though? If you want to run the same defense. Sure, if you want to run the same defense, he's the best option. But is running the same defense the best option? Give me a coordinator that is more attractive out there right now than Fangio. I mean, personally, I would prefer Ron Rivera because I think this team could use some, you know, Nick Sirianni could talk about fresh ideas on offense. How about some fresh ideas on defense? Maybe Fangio's going to bring fresh ideas on defense. He's the guy who created the defense. That doesn't mean it's the same as Gannon's and size. He might have more wrinkles to it and new ideas on how to better it. And quite frankly, look, look at the talent he had defensively um, in Denver and, and Chicago. You now you have to say he might not have as good a talent here. I mean, in Miami last year too, he didn't have great talent on the defense in Miami last year. Ton of injuries, and they were still competitive. Is he good enough scheme wise to make this defense compete? So you're talking about like in the idea that Fangio is the originator, so he has the original intent of the system. So he's going to know more variables than the guys who not only more variables. He might have more. Tricks up his sleeve in the de- within he's the been, defense. He's been using it longer. Yeah, and I mean, like Miami had a lot of injuries last year. Look, Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard, your two starting corners are out. I think both of his edge rushers got hurt too last yep, year. They both got season-ending injuries. So he did a good job with a mediocre talent defense. Right now, today, as we're talking, the Eagles have a mediocre talent deep I don't know that it's mediocre talent I think their bigger problem is age mm-hmm. and have the talented players lost a step because James Bradbury is an all pro player he doesn't just suck all of a sudden unless he does um same with Darius Slay I mean Slay is an all pro level player does he just lose a step or does he stink now that's where I think Fangio coming into play here is going to be able to answer some of those questions a little bit better I think they're mediocre at linebacker they're mediocre at safety uh TBD on the corners what are they up front now if he has Hassan Reddick look Hassan Reddick had a phenomenal year under John Gannon. Did Gannon do a better job of utilizing him than Desai did? Did he get more from him than Sean Desai? Same I think with so. Josh Sweat. Or are they or or are they declining players? I don't think he's a declining player because I think that uh, Reddick now has had double digit sack was it four straight years? So I mean, he's already shown you that he's had four different defensive coordinators. He's gotten double digit sacks to four different defensive coordinators. So I don't think the problem is. Him, I think the problem is how they was being used. Yeah, so, I mean, if you told me Ron Rivera, Mike Caldwell, Vic Fangio. I'm out on Caldwell, by the way. Anybody else that has been listed, I would say, to me, Fangio is probably the most accomplished of that group. Now, do you like his scheme? I don't love it. I will admit that. I'm not a huge fan of this scheme. But the Eagles have shown that you can win a mm-hmm. lot of games with this scheme. So with that being said, do you get Fangio in the house as soon as possible and then start picking his brain oh, I think, on, I don't how, think on how, this how is to formulate this offseason defensively? I don't think this is going to take long. I think he'll be he's probably on his way there now. <laughs> if sure. not already. If he already left Miami, he lives somewhere outside of Philly. Well, then. apparently they, they divorced today. So I yeah, guess you, you got to divorce from your house. Well, I'm saying you go with the paperwork. I mean, they've been done for two weeks. Sure. 
So, but there had there. I'm sure there's some paperwork that has to be done. Some legalese reason why. They yeah, couldn't. sure. Your agent can go do that for you. You can stay at home and tell your agent, "Hey, listen, I don't feel like going back there. Let them know. I want to get out of my deal and I want to go closer to home." Okay. Yeah. Uh, you and McDaniel didn't say two words to each other. I don't think this is going to be all that difficult. Right. All right. Guess what? They're going to let you go. And maybe they like a candidate that's out there. Maybe they do. Maybe they like Mike Caldwell. Maybe they didn't like his style of defense. It did feel like that Fangio did a lot with a little down there in Miami, you know, considering all the injuries. And maybe there's a part of the people down there just want a fresh start defensively after what happened Listen, last year. Listen, if I lost all the talent that he did and got what I got out of it, I would think that I would be retained and they wouldn't want me to go. But I think there could be a personality issue well, that's there. That's what Garofolo said. Right. You know, it's the idea that, you know, these guys have a clash. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's like, you know, you could have two people who not be similar but still work well together. You know, you've put up with me for several years, for example. You know, but... I put up. That doesn't mean we work well together. Well, I think you work well enough. On this conversation right now, I would say it's not working very well because I don't agree with you on this. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I just think Fangio just didn't fit the maybe personality-wise. And they – look, if they were so tied to him, they could say, we don't want you to leave. But the guy's 65 years old. He probably is like, listen, guys, my heart's just not in it anymore with this team. We don't get along all that well. I don't think this is a secret. And they might say, go ahead. I think if he was a 45-year-old guy, that might be different. And as as you said, the Eagles have a history of bringing in these older defensive coordinators who basically just run the defense. It was Jim Schwartz. Before that, remember, Jim Johnson was much older than Andy Reid, and he ran the defense for years during that era. So the Eagles have multiple examples of bring in the veteran guy who runs the defense. Well, this is a clear case where you have an offensive-minded coach who's young and I think you want to take stuff off of his plate, not put more on his plate. So him saying, well, I might have to pop into the defensive room. Now, I don't need you in there. I want a guy who doesn't need him to come babysit me. It's like when McVeigh had Wade Phillips. Yep. McVeigh's not going down the hallway to see what Wade Phillips is scheming defensively. He's trusting that Wade Phillips is a defensive mastermind and that I'm running the offense you're on the defense, and I don't need to babysit that guy. That's what the Eagles need. They need a guy who is a veteran coach where the offensive-minded play caller who got overwhelmed probably last year with responsibility and couldn't handle it gets responsibility taken off of his plate. Speaking of the offensive play caller, Nick Sirianni was asked about changing the OC. Why is Johnson out as offensive coordinator, Mike? This is what Nick Sirianni said. So it's about coming up with fresh ideas and doing some things different. And and that's exactly where we are right, right now. And Brian being, you know, at that position, unfortunately, he's, he's the one that is leaving at this particular time. Uh, but I can't say, can't tell you how much uh, I appreciate him as a coach. We've had a lot of success here in the past three years, and, and Brian's contributed a lot to that. But like I said, we're, it's it's now about bringing in fresh ideas. Um. Yeah, I mean... That was the slogan, by the way, of the press conference. Yeah. Fresh ideas. you got to bring in fresh ideas, um, his vision for the next coordinator here. I said before, look, if you tell me you're bringing in a veteran play caller or someone who has play calling experience, fine. If you're going to bring in Jared Johnson, who has no play calling experience, that to me is hogwash. 
Yeah, and, and you know, you and Mosher talked about this all day. The idea that you don't want to have another random dude calling, quote unquote, calling the plays because as Howard Roseman said, he said himself, I trust Nick Sirianni to make these coaching changes. Well, it's not going to look good if you have to change the OC again a year from now. So you got to get someone established. Mm-hmm. Yeah, listen, I, ultimately, if you tell me the Eagles have Nick Sirianni as the head coach, Vic Fangio as the defensive coordinator, and Cliff Kingsbury as the offensive play caller, does this team feel different and better than the team that lost in Tampa Bay? Yes. Of course it does. You feel you have two guys, Fangio and and Kingsbury, who both have been head coaches that can now, now you would say, well, then what's Sirianni's role? I think that Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie, as much as people want to say puppet and fine, you can think what you want. My point is this. They felt that he had some value in why the team has had, because what did Roseman say as the reason why they kept him? Oh, he's had a ton of success. We've been to the playoffs three years in a row. That's hard to do in this league. So they're looking at his success. They went to the Super Bowl in his second year that they've been to the playoffs three straight years. And we have heard the players back him. Mm Mm-hmm. Key players, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Jason Jason Kelsey. Kelsey. All of that says we do value that, and but we need to get you guys around you that have a little bit more experience. Having guys, Ryan Johnson, a first-time coordinator. Sean Desai, who's been a coordinator before, but not a lot of experience. Probably weren't strong enough guys to have around you. And... If you think that Gannon and Steichen were a big part of the success of this team, and you bring in two guys who are head coaches in this league, you should feel much better about the direction of the team. 609-403-0973. I'll answer the poll question. I'll pull up the results, I should say. Coming up next here on the Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. The Sports For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Mike Gill. And I am the voice. I'm the voiceless. On 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. All right, 353. Uh, poll question today was, how do you feel about the Eagles moving forward after hearing the press conference? We aired it on 97.3 ESPN. You can text in 609-403-0973 or vote at Mike Gill Show. How do you feel about the Eagles moving forward after hearing the press conference? 60-40. Josh, do 60 feel better or 60 feel worse? 60 sounds worse to me. So it's 60-40. Is it closer than you thought? I think 60-40 is fair because I think some people are just always going to be negative unless they get, like, you know, there's some people when Nick Sirianni fired. Did so. you think it was going to be 80-20? Nah. How do you feel about the Eagles moving forward after hearing this press conference? 
It's now 58-42. We just got like a plethora of votes during this conversation. 58-42. Swing votes? 58%. So it's no longer 60-40. It actually cruised closer. the other now side. Closer than I thought. 60-40. No, it's 58-42. 58% feel worse. It's 42% feel better after hearing the press conference. Who do you question more? The people who feel better? How could you feel better after that? Or how do you feel worse about that? I feel like I can't judge either side because of the fact that I feel like there's a good argument to make both directions. <laughs> uh, we'll ask John McMullen. He's coming up next here on the Sportsman. I can't believe it's 5 o'clock already. That's what's uh, high on my priority list. It's five, uh, almost 5 o'clock here on the Sports Bash. And when we come back, is Vic Fangio going to be the next defensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles? We'll have that with uh, Johnny Mack here on the Sports Bash. A deal is expected, and that is according to NBC Philadelphia, along with ESPN's Adam Schefter and Jeremy Fowler with Vic Fangio, who parted ways with the Miami Dolphins. He wants to be closer to his family in Pennsylvania. So it looks like Vic Fangio will be your new defensive coordinator. McMullen, next. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Now live from the Matt Blatt Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. Just after five, Sports Pass Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Well, the Eagles had a banger today. They uh, had Nick Sirianni and Howie Roseman talk. But I don't know that any of the questions that were asked uh, were as revealing as the news that broke during the press conference. John McMullen, Birds 365 on the Jacob Media YouTube channel, set to join me to talk about what's going on with the Eagles and what we now know moving forward after that press conference today. Nick Sirianni, he will be the head coach. He was asked, well, what do you do? He said, well, I'm the head coach of the football team. Uh, but let's get into it now with John McMullen, Birds 365, here on the Sports Bash 97.3 ESPN. John, I got to imagine... Uh, were there murmurs? Were people starting to look at each other in that press conference when that Adam Schefter piece dropped about Vic Fangio? Or is that something that was uh, uh, known beforehand? Uh, no, it, uh, it it dropped during the press conference. So, yeah, it, it was one of those things, I think, uh, Jimmy Kemsky got the question uh, about uh, a couple seconds after uh, after it did drop, and you know, maybe who knows? Maybe the Eagles would be called for tampering. <laughs> who knows? Wouldn't that be ironic? Yeah, but right. uh, I thought we were out, and all of a sudden they pull us back into the Vic Fangio scheme. I, I guess you can say at least you're not chasing the trend anymore with the duplicates, the the copycats, and at least you have the original. But I think if you look around the league and the teams using this particular style of defense, it's pretty evident that offenses have, have caught up to it. And that's the evolution of all these defenses. I always bring up Tony Dungy, who was, uh, you know, one of the best ever as a cover two guy. And eventually they caught up and the Legion of Boom and, and, and cover three and they caught up and, I think the league has caught up to this scheme. So 
they'll probably run it better than they did this year. I think that's fair to say, but I'm not sure that's going to help that much. All right. So, yeah, Vic Fangio, I mean, I guess I'll ask you, uh, how probable do you think? I mean, is it fait accompli that he's going to be the next defensive uh, coordinator yeah. here? Fait accompli. I mean, and it, it's ironic after all this time, and I've had so many back and forths. And if you read Adam's tweet, Adam Schefter's tweet, at the very end, as you finally get to the finish line, and the Philadelphia Eagles are going to get Vic Fangio. He finally comes out and says, and they would have had him last year if the timing worked out. That was the issue. The timing didn't work out. So thanks for confirming that. Yes. Adam. You know, so basically, you know, just to give the people the background, was Gannon said he's staying. Uh, Fangio's on the staff as like a consultant. Gannon stays. Well, Fangio goes and gets another job, and then Gannon drops the bomb that he's leaving, and then Fangio already has the job. Well, then Fangio this year, I mean, he essentially says what? I mean, does he not have a good relationship with McDaniels? Because he did a pretty good job there. They had a lot of injuries. So, is this bizarre to you that they were so willing to cut him out of the deal? No, because he makes a lot of money. They made him the highest paid uh, defensive coordinator, uh, highest paid any coordinator in NFL history. Uh, and this is sort of their way out of it. Um, and, and remember, um, Brandon Staley's now out there, so he's probably a guy Mike McDaniel would want more sort of a younger guy, younger version. So they probably said, well, we can go get Brandon Staley. We can pay him probably, you know, one quarter of what we played. Vic Fangio had the same, essentially same defense. So I think that's their thought process. Um, and it worked out for both sides. And the Eagles obviously won Vic. And I think, Look, I, I mean, everybody who played that defense, Vic was 19th in, in DDOA. Now, some of it was due to the injuries late, um, but nobody who ran that defense had a ton of success this season, and I don't think that's a coincidence. Uh, John McMullen, um so Vic Fangio appears that he will be the defensive coordinator. On the offensive side of the ball, we heard Cliff Kingsbury's name last night, Gerard Johnson today. We've heard some other names. But did you learn anything about what they're looking for and what kind of role that coordinator will have from today's press conference? Yeah, well, it certainly sounds like that coordinator is going to be running the offense. And I think that was a difficult thing for Nick Sirianni uh, to admit and to come to grips to, but it's one of those situations I say, you know, since the day he got here, and I, I can't even tell you how many times he, he has said, doesn't matter if Shane Steichen's calling the plays, or Brian Johnson, or Kevin Petullo, he mentioned Howie Roseman, Jeffrey Laurie, Julian Laurie, even mentioned Dom DeSandro. Uh, as long as he's here, it's going to be his offense. Well, today he had to go up there and say it's the Philadelphia Eagles offense because I'll let you do the math. Somebody told him he's got to go in a different direction. Right. It's not my offense. It's not the new guy's offense. It's our offense. Yeah. And uh, as I said, multiple times, uh, I mean, in double digits, he has said in the past, this is my offense. No matter who runs it, no matter who's calling the plays, this is my offense. It's always going to be that way as long as I'm here. Well, he's still here. But the reason he's still here is because he gave up that control on, on, on the offense. That's what happened. He was neutered today. That's what happened. 
Um, yeah, I mean, for, for all intents and purposes then. So he said he was asked a question. I think it was Tim McManus who asked the question, you know, all right, you got a defensive coordinator. He's going to run the defense. You got an offensive coordinator. He's going to call the offense. What's your job? And he says, well, I'm the head coach of the football team. Uh, what was it? Uh, we got Jason Garrett. We talked about it on the show. This is Jason Garrett. Might not clap, but this is Jason Garrett. That's what he is. So essentially, right. So now looking at all of the things that have uncovered from the press conference and what we know, was it a mistake to keep Nick? I think so. I think so. Um, you know, and I wrote about that earlier this week on at, at Sports Illustrated. I, you know, if you don't believe in this guy, show the courage of your convictions and fire him. Mm-hmm. That's fine. I mean... Jeffrey Lurie's team, he can do whatever he wants, but here you're straddling the fence and you're making a figurehead uh, with no power. Obviously, he doesn't control the defense. Vic will be the head coach of the defense. The offensive coordinator will be running uh, the offense. What is he, a press press officer? You know, I will, Let me ask this question, though. Secretary? Isn't this the best scenario though to have him like if you're looking at this and say well Steichen and Gannon were really good coordinators and they had a lot of success not sure what Nick's role was but that's our best we went to the Super Bowl having Fangio I mean he said at one point hey I might pop in the defensive uh room I don't want you popping into the defensive room and I'm sure if Vic Fangio that's there he don't want you popping in there either but is this the best um you know, blueprint for them well, is to have. I'm a fan. I'm I'm a fan of CEO coaches, mm-hmm. um, and I've been pretty consistent about that. But that that CEO coaches with power. In other words, if you don't like the way something's going, you steer it in the direction you want. That was what was going on in 2021 and 2022, and it happened numerous times. Whether. He told Jonathan Gannon he needed to tighten up a little bit and, and with coverage in uh, year one. Um, it happened with putting the game plans together in year two and year three. Um, now, is that going to be the case? It certainly doesn't sound like it's going to be the case. Right. And if that's the way it unfolds, yeah, then I think you have uh, – um, as I mentioned, you have uh, a figurehead with no essential power, and that's that's not going to work. Uh, John McMullen, Burst 365. Uh, Sirianni uh, also uh, said about how his role is going to be different. Um, you know, he essentially seating, you know, uh, I don't know. Uh, wh- what is he seating? I mean, is he basically – he didn't call the plays before, so how is his role different? Well, he didn't call the plays because he didn't want to call the plays. He called the plays originally, and he, he, he said, you know, he wanted to step back, manage the game, be more involved uh, in the whole process, defense, special teams, game management, um, and was very comfortable handing it off to, to Shane Steichen. Maybe not as comfortable with Brian Johnson. Maybe would have preferred to to give it to Kevin Petullo, but – Again, he was forced perhaps to do something he didn't want to do because um, the Eagles thought they were going to lose Brian Johnson if they didn't promote him, and they probably would have. Mm-hmm. But as, as we've seen, you fast forward 12 months and they fired him anyway. So um, the fact that 
you know, Jeffrey and, and, and how he pushed it that direction last year already proved to be wrong. So um, at least from their own perspective, not necessarily uh, others' perspective, but from their thought process, and here they are again. Um, yeah, I, I, it's, look, I, I, this is a very good organization. There's a lot of bad organizations. When you look at everything in totality and how he kind of talked about that, you can't get caught up in the moment. I'm, I'm, I'm generally a logical person. Uh, when you compare them to the rest of the league, they generally do a good job. But when, when it comes to coaching, um, they, they get too involved and they micromanage and that's why things blow up. So you have these short spurts of, of, um, really exceptional play and, and, and results with Doug Peterson and now Nick Sirianni. And then it blows up yeah. because they overreach and we're in the blow up phase. We are. John, it's uh, not going to get better until Nick Sirianni's out of here. And that's, uh, I, I, I'm very comfortable saying that. I, I was gonna because I was gonna say, is it as simple as you get veteran coordinators and guys um, that that's gonna fix things in this team? You know, it will be back to moving in the right direction. It sounds like you don't think that's the case as long as Nick is kind of in this weird wedge. Yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah, I, I don't think it's gonna work in, in the way they've set it up and the way they've envisioned it, which is. Basically, as I said, you know, head co-head coach of the defense, co-head coach of the offense, and then a head coach. I mean, uh, that's an interesting, at least Doug, you know, Doug was in charge to the end. Um, can, can Nick Sirianni go into the meeting room when they do hire? And it's got to be made official, but I think we're all on the assumption that Vic's going to be the guy, and he left Miami because he knows he's going to be the guy. Um, can he walk into that meeting room and say, hey, Vic Fangio, I don't like the way things are going. Do this. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. And, we, and we don't know who the offensive coordinator is yet, but um, by the way Nick was talking today, and I, I don't know if you listen because you're on the air, but you know he seemed a little defeated. He didn't seem to have the same time, type of energy. You know, one thing we've always chuckled at is, is his relationship on, on the dais with when Howie's there. They kind of make jokes and act like middle school kids up on the – there was none of that today. None of the jokes, none of the smiles. I, I, I yeah, It was a well, completely and funny, different vibe. It's funny you say that because he was asked a question regarding who made the decision on Desai – and you have said on our show that you think it was, in fact, Sirianni. And I said, man, if you ask that question to Howie and he has to sit there and blatantly lie, I find that hard to believe. So I would feel like the, the relationship – in other words, if Howie made him do that and then Howie's sitting there saying, no, he came to us and we, we were right there with him – I would have to think the relationship would have to be strained in some capacity. And at that point, you question again, how do you keep the guy if the relationship has changed? Well, it doesn't make any sense. You know, again, and I didn't advocate firing Nick Sirianni. I didn't advocate firing Brian Johnson. Um, Now, I do think they had to go in a different direction on the defensive side of the ball. It was just such a disaster. 
Um, but I, I didn't advocate firing either of those guys. But once you make the decision that you, you not only want to fire Brian Johnson, but you also want to bring in a new uh, offensive coordinator because you want new ideas from outside the organization. We heard this before with Doug Peterson, and Doug kind of finally stood up and said, you know what, uh, I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing, we're saying it again. You heard that today, new ideas from outside the organization. As I mentioned, obviously the new offensive coordinator is going to be the play caller. Obviously it's going to be their offense. I mean, Nick kind of slipped a couple times. Um, essentially, and again, I use that because I don't know if there's another example of this in recent history other than Jason Garrett because – if you remember, Jerry Jones took away play calling and said, you, you can be the head coach, but you can't call the plays. You can't be in charge of the offense. So, you know, you've had plenty of CEO coaches, but they've had power. And that's the case with Nick Sirianni. He no longer seems to have the same kind of power. And then the CEO coaches, it's not going to work if you have essentially they just added more chefs to an already crowded kitchen. Um, yeah, this, man, there's a lot here. Uh, Kingsbury, Jared Johnson, give me your reads on those two. Well, I can't imagine Jared Johnson being the choice because he just doesn't have a lot of experience. I mean, this was the first year he was even a position coach in Houston. So, uh, obviously, you know, as the quarterback's coach, he was given – a lot of credit for C.J. Stroud, but, I mean, this team seems to want somebody with experience, uh, and that's not Jared Johnson. He also has a history with Nick Sirianni. Um, in Indianapolis, he was a quality control guy when he first started his coaching career. Uh, then he was the assistant quarterback coach in Minnesota for a year. Then he went to Houston. So he doesn't have a lot of experience. I, I can't imagine that he would be the choice. Um, Kingsbury obviously has been a head coach. He's got not only experience in, in this style of offensive play, but he was working with Lincoln Riley last year. How he has tremendous respect for Lincoln Riley. I think at some point, uh, as NIL continues to explode, he probably has to come off a better season. I wouldn't be surprised if Lincoln Riley is the coach of the Philadelphia Eagles mm. one day. That's how much how he likes Lincoln Riley. Um, so, and obviously Cliff was working. So there's the connection there. Um, and, and I, I think he's, he's a more viable, uh, candidate than Johnson, uh, with obviously much more experience. Yeah. I mean, if you, uh, follow along with me real quick here, John, if you bring Jared Johnson in here and give him the play calling duties, you're essentially slapping Brian Johnson right in the face by saying, hey, you had to run my offense and call my plays, and we're not even going to give you the chance to now do what you want to do, but we're going to bring another guy in who has no play calling experience and let him do it. Well, and not only that, far less experience. I mean, Brian called plays in college, at least. Mm -hmm. I mean, Jared is, you know, he's a really young coach. Uh, so I, I can't, I can't see that happening. Um, yeah. Other than, you know, it's a, it's, it's, 
it's a name. It's a young ascending coach. And I think a lot of people like him. And obviously when you have a, a rookie that plays as well as CJ Stroud, you're going to have a rocket placed on your, you know what? So he's one of those guys that's probably going to be a coordinator in a couple of years as, as CJ continues to play well. Um, but I, I think it's just uh, uh, way too early for that. And, and, you know, the slap in the face part of it, they already slapped him in the face. I mean, there's no taking that back. So it kind of doesn't matter from Brian's perspective. Um, you know, he, he got blamed. He, he was a scapegoat. And they, admit, and they kind of admitted that today, mm-hmm. by the way. Uh, and, you know, somebody had to go, essentially. And I'm not going, and obviously the quarterback's not going. So at least one guy, and he went. Did it seem to you that Hertz was on board with it? No, well, we we obviously we haven't gotten a chance to talk to Jalen. Um, not that he would give you much anyway. So you can only go back to clean out day, and you know he he was spoke highly of Brian Johnson. I I I, I think I don't think it'll be an issue. I, I think you know Jalen's kind of a flatline guy. Um, he understands that. Um, the expectations weren't met. So I, I don't think it's going to be any sulking from the standpoint of I don't want to work with so-and-so because you, you fired uh, a, a guy I like and respect. Uh, I, I don't think you have to worry about that. But, um, you know, I, you, you got to bring in an offensive coordinator who knows how to build an offense around Jalen Hurts. I know that. So. What? What, John, was your take on Roseman essentially coming out of nowhere to defend the linebackers and and his thoughts on the linebackers and going out of his way to mention Dean? Well, they're not going to give up on the Kobe Dean, um, nor should they, by the way. Um, You know, but it's pretty evident that they put all their eggs in the the Kobe Dean baskets this year, and it didn't work out, so... Um, right now, in the moment, it looks really bad. Now he, he's got a chance to be a good player. I don't. I don't think that has changed. Um, I am concerned about his durability for obvious reasons, mm-hmm. um, and and I think that's fair. But he he is a good football player, um, and you know who knows. I, I always point to Jordan Hicks. He was hurt here. He played well. He kept getting hurt. Played well when he was on the field. Then he left here and he stayed healthy for like six consecutive years. So you you never know when when some of the bad luck turns good, um, and maybe it turns into a player. And I, I have no problem with him defending um, Nicobe Dean, but it, it's kind of insulting too. And, and he also mentioned Zach Cunningham had a really good year, which I think as as a whole. Um, he had he 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 was okay, um, but again, he brought him in August ninth, August tenth, whatever it was. I mean, he wasn't even here. He was here because you got to training camp, and he said, "Ooh, uh, our linebacker stinks, so let's bring in Zach Cunningham and Miles Jack." So, so if uh, Vic Fangio is in fact the hire, and I think you and I conversating right now both think that happens, uh, does that indicate a? that Vic Fangio is going to have a voice and say, you want me to run my defense, you're going to need to get me X, Y, and Z, or you don't think that that he has enough clout to do that? 
No, I, I don't think he has enough clout to do that. And and he'll he'll put together the best potential um, group that he can with what he's given. And you know, the personnel part of it is going to be Howie's, and uh, they need to make better decisions uh, on the personnel side, especially defensively. Um, and they're going to run the same scheme, and and you know, but they'll run it better. Uh, because you know Vic's going to run it better than Sean, um, but ag- again, it's it's not going to be as good as 2022. Not because Vic's not going to run it better, but because he, the personnel is not the same. So um, they need better players, especially in the back seven, and that's you know part linebacker. Uh, you know, if you think about some of the linebackers. Um, Vic has had in the past, you know, it's a heck of a lot better than what they have here right now. So um, it is going to be interesting to see how they rebuild that defense. But clearly the foundational pieces have to be Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis. And and Vic knows that. And he'll, he'll build uh, the defense around those two particular players. Mm-hmm. And we'll see what he's given and, and what he can produce. But I think, you know, we were down to six. We were like at 10 last year uh, of of teams that ran the Fangio scheme. And four already cut it out. We were down to six last year. And the best one was, was 15th from a, a, a DVOA perspective, which is sort of the advanced metrics. Vic was 19th. Um, most of them were in the 20s. Joe Barry was one of them. He got fired, even though... Uh, he got fired today, even though the Packers overachieved. I just don't see any evidence that the trend is going. Now, maybe Vic will evolve it. He's a smart guy. I know when he got to Miami, he even had a, uh, uh interview when he first got to Miami, and people asked him, hey, you know, what do you think of everybody using your scheme? And he said, you know, it's nice that everybody – he pays you that compliment, but he wishes they didn't because people are catching up. So he seemed to understand that there needs to be some evolution of his particular scheme. And maybe, maybe he, maybe he evolves. He's done it in the past. So maybe he, he goes past what we think about the what failed so spectacularly this year. Maybe he moves past that and, and, and does some different things. Uh, John McMullen, Birch 365. There you go. Uh, a lot today that we obviously talked about, hit on and found out. Vic Fangio, probably the biggest news of the day though, is likely going to be the Eagles, uh, defensive coordinator. We'll have plenty more football. Yeah. Uh, maybe, we got, uh, maybe we get some tampering, but I don't think the Dolphins care. So you don't have to worry. <laughs> All right, man. Appreciate it, bud. All right, thanks, Mike. McMullen, of course, uh, kind enough to jump on the 5 o'clock hour as things, uh, you know, th- that press conference got bounced to uh, 3, and uh, that's John's normal time. Uh, all right, we got plenty more to go. We will uh, take a look at um, everything that happened today. I do have the press conference um, transcript here so I can get a little better indication and, and, and remember, uh, jog my memory of some of the things that were asked. I got text messages I want to get to. 609-403-0973. After the press conference today, do you feel better or worse about the direction the Eagles are going in? More Sports Bash coming up. 
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. All right, 535 Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Championship weekend, you can hear both games on 97.3 ESPN, Kansas City, Baltimore, Detroit, San Francisco. So last weekend with multiple games, it's kind of sad. This is it. You get the two games on Sunday and then nothing next weekend, Super Bowl two weeks from now. We will be live in Vegas on Radio Row. Scott Grayson and I are heading out to Vegas. We'll do three shows from Vegas on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. We're already starting to book some of the guests. Looking forward to some of it. Already uh, locked in. And uh, we'll start reading off some of those guests. You know who's going to be on the show on Thursday? The Cowboy fans. Yeah, the Cowboy fans are going to be happy. Oh, are they? Yeah, man. Former cowboy great, and I say great, DeMarcus Ware. I mean, the dude was a stud. He was. He was one of my favorite players. He was one of my favorite. Yes, he's a stud. He was one of my favorite players to watch from a different team, even though he played for the Cowboys. He was awesome. He was good on Denver, too. My favorite part of DeMarcus Ware was that he was one of the few guys who could either do the speed or power rush. He, He was able to interchange the two. And either way, you were just scared out of your mind if you were the quarterback, if he was coming. Uh, Former Saints running back Mark Ingram will be on the show on Wednesday. Alabama. Yeah, uh, he was awesome at the Saints. I mean, was... He's done a really good job this past couple of years on the uh, the set of Fox Big Noon. Big News uh, Saturday. Mm -hmm. Yep, he's in the college game now. And uh, I thought he was like an underrated back for the Saints. But looking forward to – I love hearing the stories and then getting their perspective. And then with everything going on with the Eagles right now, to hear what like DeMarcus Ware thinks, like Mark Ingram from the outside looking in, what happened. Like Mark Ingram, if you were a running back on the Eagles, what do you see happen to that team? DeMarcus Ware, if you're defending the Eagles' offense. So this is why – I find it so valuable to get to go to the Super Bowl, even when, you know, the Eagles aren't there. There was a part of us that thought maybe we shouldn't go because the Eagles aren't there. Um, but, you know, we've gone other years when the Eagles aren't there, and I find it so valuable to hear the insight from defensive players. When you watch Philadelphia with their problem, what happened, and and that kind of stuff. And, you know, we have a lot of fun with uh, the guests, and, you know, we we – you know, I, I hope that we make the show one of those weeks when we're out there that you're kind of like, who's next? Who are you going to find next to talk to and add to the conversation and stuff? So our Radio Row shows will be uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, the week of the Super Bowl. So not next week. The following week, we are flying to Vegas. We'll be out. There. I've never been to Vegas before, so that was part of the, the uh, thing. I thought you were just trying to find a reason to get away from me for a few days. Possible. Possible. 
But uh, Vegas was more of the reason. Vegas was more. Don't pat yourself on the back on that one because if it wasn't Vegas, I would have. Then that would have been the reason. Well, it's not going to be a cold weather city usually, except for Minnesota that one year. It was usually, freezing in Minnesota. But usually they're warmer climates: Atlanta, yeah, well, Miami, like, Vegas, Los Angeles. Though, but places that I haven't been before, like last year, went to Phoenix. The Eagles were in the Super Bowl, but I had also never been to Phoenix and heard a lot of good things about so that. What, town. So what's a Super Bowl city? That you would be like, you know what? I can do without that in my life again. Like, I don't. Need, I'm not a big fan of Miami. Okay. I know people love Miami. You I'm just not like the club guy. So, like the late night club thing is not really my scene. Like okay. when we went to Miami, it wasn't like we were rip roaring partying out there. I mean, that's not what we're doing anyway. We got to work. But like last year, Arizona, for instance, the time change is interesting. So we're done on the air out there. Last year it was like four o'clock, or was it three o'clock? Four o'clock. It was, uh, I believe Phoenix either it was two hours. Two back. hours. So we were off the air at four, which means I got off the air, which is not normal. Like normally, I don't get off till six. You're off the air for happy hour, and by the time I get home and stuff, like yeah. Last year, we got off the air at 4, we're out the door, and happy hour, and then we're home by like 7, 8 o'clock, and the night's over. Right. So, Miami, still working on the East Coast time, and by the time the show got over, you know, 6 o'clock, we usually hang around the Radio Row area for like another hour. I mean, there's a lot like, because there's people walking around, you're trying to book stuff for the next day, you're running into people you haven't seen since last year. So it's not like you're done and you're just immediately out the door. But being this year, we're going to get off the air. It's going to be 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So it will give us a chance to go check out the Vegas Strip and do, uh, you know, do a little bit there. But you're at your question. Miami, I don't need to go back to. Atlanta, same deal. Atlanta was all right. What about New Orleans? I've been to New Orleans multiple times. I would, would you go back? I would go. In fact, one of the you know, um, one of the things we were talking about doing this weekend for my birthday was to go to New Orleans. But the the prices for the flights just didn't make sense, and the weather's not great down there right now. So we decided not. But I like New Orleans. It's a very small city. All right. But I haven't been there in a long time. I'd like to go back. Okay, so they they would make the Mike Gill list. So, like, how about a a Super Bowl city in the past that could go back is, like, Houston. Would you go to Houston? I'd like to see Houston once. I don't know that it's, like, a perpetual visiting spot, but I've never been there before. So right. I would go to Houston. What about Dallas? I have I have been to Fort Worth. I have not okay. been to Dallas, but the stadium is in Fort Worth. Right. So you're not actually in Dallas. But. I would wonder if the Radio Row would be in Dallas. I'm assuming they might use one of those big hotels down there. So, well, it depends. Are they going to use one of the hotels closer to the foot to the to Jerry's World, which is in Fort Worth, mm-hmm. or would they do everything like in the convention center in like downtown Dallas? And that's like a half hour, forty minutes outside of where the stadium actually is. Right, but. I, I I could be wrong about this. Well, I was say, when you guys were at the Mall of America, wasn't that not very close to the stadium? It was either? not. It was not close. And guess what? I would not choose to go to my Minnesota. <laughs> Although I, by the way, I spent the whole week at the mall. It's not like we went into downtown Minnesota and got to check out the the downtown like 
areas so we like, worked the whole time. Right. So maybe instead for you, you would say, I would like to go to Minnesota. The Phillies were playing the Twins, and it was like June Yeah, or in something. August. <laughs> I'll say June, but sure, August. But Well, it's not quite as warm in June as it is in, in August there. Sure. It's still cold there sometimes. Like, I, I love every... Every city has a redeeming area that you can hang out for the weekend. I could go have a like. I went to Pittsburgh last year with the Philly sports trip guys. Pittsburgh's awesome. I mean, great town, so much to do. That's West Virginia guy saying that. That is a West Virginia guy. You know what's funny about that whole West Virginia pit thing? The universities are bitter rivals, but if you're from West Virginia. The Pittsburgh pro teams are the equivalent of what the Philly teams are to us. Okay. Because it's only like an hour away. It's just the universities that don't get along. Gotcha. But if you're from West Virginia, like you're if probably you're, a Steelers Penguins. Absolutely. Fan. My buddy, he's from Fairmont, West Virginia. He actually lives here now. He lives in Hamilton. Uh, but he's from Fairmont, West Virginia. Gotcha. He's a Pittsburgh fan, Penguins, uh, Steelers and, and Pirates. They're only an hour and ten minute drive from like Fairmont to Pittsburgh. It's only like an hour and ten minutes. It's similar like for people like for us to drive to Philly. So they they all support the Pittsburgh pro teams up there. Gotcha. But Pittsburgh's a great place. When you know I hadn't been there since I was in college, but when I went this summer with Philly sports trips, it was awesome. Seeing with like Milwaukee, I loved Milwaukee. I thought it was a, it's such an underrated. You don't ever hear people though talk about, hey, you got to go out of Milwaukee. So you're telling me that Reese Hoskins is going to be happy. There. He will have a blast. I've never been to Detroit. Now everybody said, what the hell would you want to go to Detroit for? I got news for you. If you let me go walk downtown Detroit, I'm sure I can find plenty to do. Now I'm talking about a weekend. Do I want to live there? Do I want to spend like two weeks like backpacking through the Midwest? Right. No, we're just talking about like three, four days, basically. That's typically what it is for. A, yeah. If you sent me, if you put me in, if the Super Bowl was in Detroit. Uh, I mean, I'd go because I've never been to Detroit before. Like I like one of the things I do, like when I coach baseball. It affords me to go to places I would never have gone to or go to in any other facet. Like I, I didn't a few years ago. You go to Arkansas. I, I went to Arkansas. I have no reason to ever go to Arkansas. And but I you have say no you've reason, been. I have no reason to go back. But I can now say, hey, I went there. I got to see like you know what the uh, culture is in in Arkansas. And let me tell you, it's a little different than ours. And I don't need to go back to Arkansas. I had my <laughs> fill. Um, I, you know, a, a lot of stuff like that. So I always like the, the Super Bowl question. I don't know. Where else is it coming like the next couple of years? I mean, I'll pull up the list, but I was just thinking of places that it's, they typically go back to places. So that's why I was wondering, you know, was, was there well, a place? They don't have a different location for every Super Bowl. What do you mean? Well, they have to go back to certain places. They don't go to it. Like San Francisco, I think, is coming up, or L.A. So this year is Vegas. Next year is New Orleans. All right, so next year, New Orleans, I probably will say, yes, we will be there. All right. The year after that is Santa Clara, California. Yeah, see, that's tough. Like, a couple of years ago, when the Super Bowl was in L.A., we did not go because the travel is just a lot and the three-hour different. Now, you would say, so is Vegas, but I've never been to Vegas before. I've been to L.A. and don't care to ever go back. L.A. was not a town that is all that high on my list of places that I enjoyed. Although, one of my best friends lives there, so it would be a reason to go out there. Well, back-to-back -back years in California, because 
in February 2026 at Santa Clara. Now, Santa Clara is different than L.A. It is. Now, I've never been to San Francisco, but Santa Clara is like an hour. Outside, yeah. So. Now, they're back in Inglewood in 2027. Which is the Rams. Right, so that's back to back years there in California. See, yeah, that that's uh, it's tough because we're only there. Now I know again days. the Vegas thing. We're only there, but again that is it's a little closer, and it's still the three. Look, I, the three hour time difference does throw off the show a little bit for me. I mean, booking these guests when they're telling me the times they're available, I always get whacked because of the the. Well, they're available from ten to one, and I'm like, well, I'm not on the. Air. Oh, I am on the air from 10 to 1. Well, 11 to, what are we on, 11 to 3. I think it's 11 to 3. Yeah. Um, but that's back-to-back years in California. There, do they have any so, further dates? Uh, not beyond 2027. So it's New Orleans, Santa Clara, and then the Rams. Yes. So there's the next three. They got three as booked. of right now. Okay. Because, you know, Tampa generally comes into the mix. Now, according to the article I'm reading, the they may announce future dates during Super Bowl week because hmm. Roger Goodell is going to have well, normally state what of they the, have state of the NFL presser. What they normally have, so like last year in Phoenix, there will be a booth for the Vegas people, and they'll have like mugs and pens and that kind of stuff for Vegas. So this year for Vegas, they'll have mugs and pens and. For New Orleans. for New Orleans, yes. So will you go out and get any of those items? Like They're usually free. I mean, for oh, the they're media. free? It's for, like the, okay. it, for the media people. They oh, have, cool. like, stuff like that. I don't remember. Some years they give you the stuff. Other years you have to get there, and if you don't get there in time, then it's gone. Like the first come, first serve? Yeah, now Grayson is setting up our travel, um, but we're flying differently. Okay. We have different flight times, so I'm going to get there way before him. So I might be able to get there and and try to uh, snag some of that stuff. All right, five forty eight. On the other side, uh, I have a something that I want to do with the show that I want your guys' help with, and I hope that you will help me out in this role. And I'll explain coming up next. It's this. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. With Mike Gill. Keeping the fans entertained and happy. On 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Uh, I'm getting ready to get out of here. Before we go, uh, for many of you out there, you may have heard, maybe you didn't, that there was a fire uh, at the Goodwill store in Egg Harbor Township. And uh, I want to try to come together with my listeners here to help restock. They are asking to restock their inventory. I know a lot of people, the Goodwill store helps out a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people. Uh, and I want to try to help out with that. So what we're going to do starting tomorrow, if you have a bag of clothes or two or three or four, you know what? My girlfriend tells me all the time, get rid of that bag of clothes. Well, you know what? I'm finally going to put it to good use because we're going to put all of the bags of clothes from my listeners and donate them to the Goodwill store in EHT. So what you need to do 
is bring your bags, hopefully multiple bags, right here, and we will put them in the 97.3 ESPN van, and we will deliver them over to the Goodwill store for you, and that will start tomorrow. So clear out those closets, donations of clothing, accessories, toys, housewares, and other items are encouraged. The donation center, we will take them there for you. Bring them by here to the studios. We'll put them in the back of the 97.3 ESPN van, so we'll bring them over there for you. But I hope that many of my listeners out there will help out in this. This is something that I've been wanting to do, and when I saw that they were looking for donations, I said, my listeners will help. So hopefully you guys will help. And we can start donating all these clothes and accessories and toys because it is a place that a lot of people depend on. The Goodwill store in Egg Harbor Township, a fire destroyed the place and they are looking to restock their inventory. And I would love nothing better than the sports bash to fill that store up. So hopefully starting tomorrow, we can get that done together. More sports bash tomorrow. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.